यू हैव
your mind They want your soul To own your life as the long term goal They want your money They want your health It's a graph, it's a transparency of wealth They like disease They want you ill So big pharmaceutical can sell you pills Signs are ominous Don't look good Bioengineering shape for food They're everywhere They're breaking through Every day they get a grubby pose on something new Children crying, shame, education and media wash their brain when you get old. Elder said, You're a useless sister, and they want you dead. Mass surveillance, population control, they want CCTV in every home. They want your Buddha, they want your gods, they want your science to support their cause. amazed we're steam, uh, streaming at all to tell the truth uh, all the shit that's going on right now but uh yeah what can i say the well <laughs> things get taken out left right and center bits of uh, skull 
duggery going on along networks and uh, the old doc has to watch oh be on overwatch and uh, yes red bachetta they love me they love me and uh well we'll see we'll see how far we can probe the system right and we'll <laughs> in a uh pacific war environment things could get a little sketchy uh did pelosi leave on her broom today I don't know. Um, if I was, uh, well, you know, China's China's made it clear in their diplomatic language that they will not tolerate Pelosi going. I mean, I, beyond commenting on that, I don't I don't know what else there is to do except except just endless speculation. If you're going to get in a fight, you may as well just get fucking over with, right? Get in, get in a posture and uh, let's let's see what uh, let's see what happens and hope. Uh, Hope that uh, Queen's free rules will be applied. <laughs> yeah, they'll take it this weekend. Who do, who the fuck knows, man? But if it does, um, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of dominoes that could fall, and well, we'll take a look. And I can't I can't do much. I can be I'll probably be a front line uh, streamer, I guess. <laughs> Go out with my cell phone. Grab some intel for the machine. Uh, Chris Love says, I'm hearing all kinds of people praising that witch, saying she humiliated China. <laughs> Hardly. I mean, yeah, there's that Asian saving face uh, metric to take into account, but China plays a long game. Uh, Pelosi's on her last legs. That, that sagging skin suit is about to drop off this mortal plane, and China, China can wait. China can wait. They can see the US imploding. And look, they may they may be playing a whole other level of chess. And who knows on the narrative arc that Trump the savior is going to come back in and restore peace with the Ching Chongs and uh, everything will be all right. Settle it down with Ivan in the Ukraine and uh, everything will be tickety-boo as they bring in their digital ID as they've been pumping the environment full of... GMOs. What are we talking about? GMOs. We're talking about literally everything living. They can get in there. They can modify it and literally turn it into a toxin. Uh, China knows all the USA Marines are waxed. Just got to wait it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Line them up for the pox vaccine. Whack that on top. See what happens. Do them all. Do them all. That's some really classy strategic thinking. <laughs> Isn't she in her 80s? Maybe, maybe, um, I don't know, 180 she looks like, um, she's not, she's not long for this world, um, that you can see in the speech and the, the behavior, the physical movement, you know, that's, that's not a, uh, vigorous <laughs> octogenarian, <laughs> you too, okay. <laughs> So yeah, what's what's new, right? So WTYL is down. Uh, Simon is missing from duty, and look, I, I'm in a situation where uh, right to, to keep services running, and you know, I said I would get, I could do that now. I could I could make up the fundraiser tab whilst we're here for lab visits, but lab visits also means. My team, my team has to get um, 
paid as well. It keeps me in the fight. Now, let me just do this. Green Labs. Now, I can throw it on the screen. I'll tell you where we are. I'll, I'll tot it up without too much trying to dock myself. And again, I'm not allowed PayPal anymore. They're going to great, great lengths to make sure that I'm uh, fucked with, right, at a at a internet level. Now, you know, I'm at I'm at the point where I literally have to change machines and network hardware just to ghost a little bit what's going on and the. I mean, it, it it is what it is. I, we expect this, right? You you're gonna get flack coming in, and uh, so far it's just digital, and it's just um, it's just uh, financial. Um, continue with, hmm. Continue with, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, let's do this. Let's do this. And I can I can show this right now. Um, so this is basically what I'd managed to collect off the PayPal and I've given it back. OK, so I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. And uh, the dock is running on fumes right now. So there there is the PayPal from the last seven days and uh that's gone or not gone it's gone back to people that were trying to support um the the lab studies the lab studies also includes trying to um keep that bleak tax evading <laughs> what can i say <laughs> don't don't hire uh tax uh tax evaders <laughs> it works <laughs> I can't see what you're showing us. Ah, right. Yeah, of course. Um, ah, you know what? I had something else I wanted to show you. I, I, I popped it up halfway through the, uh, the the stream just as a sort of uh, flash. I've got, I've got to play it again. It's brilliant. Uh, open with... Let's, let's just do this. This is going to be a placeholder for... placeholder for when we stream on YouTube right, what we're gonna have to do we have to use every alert mechanism that we have and then I stream on YouTube and just have a looped video going to the channel that we have right now and hopefully then people can come to more stable uh, platforms and um, Lux Report says, do you see the world locking down by September over monkeypox? It depends if the aerosolized figures pan out in human populations. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But uh, let me just uh, switch to this little gem. Uh, the Jihad Science Show. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, Je suis fromage. Oh shit, I missed the end. <laughs> no, it did stop. It did stop. All right, let's, let's do this. Now, uh, yeah, I popped up. Chat is up. All right, so um, this is uh, the consequence of, uh, of course, 
at those that don't want you to have the data. They don't want you to have the data. They're trying to censor everything. Okay, so this is from uh, PayPal, the last seven days, boom. And um, that's it, out, I've refunded everyone. If you didn't get anything, if you didn't get anything uh, and you sent something by PayPal, please DM me, email me, and I'll make sure that you're not um, out of pocket in any way whatsoever. Everything will go, everything will be transparent, okay? But right now, that that amount of money could have lifted us, right, to close to, uh, I think we would be at a day, and I could probably, I could probably stretch it out and keep uh, keep tax evading blicks in Mackie D's. Um, but it's it's gone from my hands. I'm unable to use it. I'm unable to use it right now. And that's, we're in a dire situation. Every day that we wait is day that we, is days that we don't have data. And the monster we're fighting moves at incredible speed. And it's been there and it's embedded and uh, it's got its roots into everything. And I mean everything. It's very little you can trust out there. And the institutes have fallen. And I will get a little bit into that with, uh, we'll be looking at massage enthusiasts, brother, uh, Brett Weinstein. I don't know. I don't know about his brother, but uh, he orbits in those circles. And again, um, these are tough questions. Tough, tough, tough questions that you're going to have to be asking uh, my American friends. You're going to have to be asking. And, yeah. <laughs> you have to make some tough decisions in the coming days and weeks, months, years. Um, and, you know, it's it's quite funny that well, well, we'll get into it. But what what I would say is, if you if you're prepared right now to support me to get into the lab where you can see me doing this work, you can see me doing this work and doing the testing. You want to know what's in those vials? I'll go and test it for you. Okay, but uh, no money. You can't play the fucking slot machine, can you? Please bookmark McCann Dojo. That seems stable right now. The streaming, I think, is working through well, the channel. We'll get into it, but what? Um, right now, recorded streams. We're down to D Live and maybe Rumble. Rumble is messing us up as well. You can't remember, right? You're playing on their networks. It's their digital networks, right? So they can do what they want, and they can put me in the digital gulag. They can put me in the digital gulag, or you can fund me to go ahead and do the testing that you need done. And in the, in the, in the, how should we say? In the environment when you know that there's subversion. There's subversion, perversion, and all, all your institutes have fallen. All of them. There is not one that is spared. A Patreon nut dino is still viable. Yes. Yes. They're still viable. You can do Patreon. Do the uh, the tip jar. 
right? That's so far, it's working. It's working relatively well, despite despite that being targeted by uh, whoever's trying to shut me down. I've got a pretty good idea who they are, but they will not. All the time that I've got fucking breath, right, and I can sit here and flick the machines on, right? I'll I'll not stop fucking talking. No way, no how, not on my fucking watch. Dzinka says I just hate their subterfuge, maddening. Yeah, it is, it is. And now, now you've got to do the experiments. You've got to start testing the system. You've got hypotheses got hypotheses and you've got to think in a sort of unified field way right that, that that your culture and society is a reflection of the physical systems that we study it's all interlinked it's all interlinked and it depends on the questions that you ask it and the data you'll get when will they revert to cut out our tongues i don't think it's that far away I don't think it's that far away, but um, you know, when you if if you're at that point where they're mutilating your body, um, the the battle's been lost, right? Hope hope that it ends quickly. Boudicca Fork says we're at war. We've been at war for fucking ages, right? As soon as soon as the pin was pulled on bio warfare. Overt biowarfare, which is what you've got right now, in your face, in your face, like homos that have been felching infected assholes. And you know this came up in the discussion as we were as we were talking. Experimental infection of Cinemogulus macaques, Macaca fascicularis, with aerosolized monkeypox virus. It's a good test platform. It's got a lot of crossover with us. A lot of crossover. Monkeypox virus infection in humans results in clinical symptoms very similar to ordinary smallpox. Aerosol is a route of secondary transmission for monkeypox and a primary route of smallpox transmission in humans. Therefore, an animal model for aerosol exposure to monkeypox is needed to test medical countermeasures. A lot of the reason that we're in this mess right now a lot of the reason that they've got those labs all around the fucking planet right now. To characterize the pathogenesis in Cinemogulus macaques, groups of macaques were exposed to four different doses of aerosolized monkeypox. Blood was collected the day before and every other day after exposure and assessed for complete blood count. Clinical chemistry analysis and quantitative PCR. Macaques showed mild anorexia. Means their appetite has gone. First indicator that you'll get that your animal's not well. Got to report that. <laughs> I had to. Got to weigh it. Depression. Oh. Neuropsychiatric symptoms. Colour me not surprised. Huh? And fever on day six post-exposure. Lymphadenopathy. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Which differentiates monkeypox from smallpox was observed in exposed macaques around... Day 6 post-exposure. The CBC and clinical chemistry showed abnormalities similar to human monkeypox cases. Whole blood. So just wrap your head around that. Okay, What you see in macaques matches the blood draws in humans. 
There's your, there's your crossover. There's your crossover right now. Whole blood and throat swab viral loads peaked around day 10, and in survivors gradually decreased until day 28 post-exposure. Survival was not dose-dependent. Not. Doses of 4 by 4 10 to the power of 4 platforming units, 1 times 10 to the power of 5 platforming units, or 1 times 10 to the 6 platforming units, resulted in lethality for 70% of the animals. Whereas a dose of 4 times 10 to the 5 PFU resulted in 85% lethality. Overall, Cinemoculus macaques exposed to aerosolized monkeypox develop a clinical disease that resembles that of human monkeypox. These findings provide a strong foundation for the use of aerosolized monkeypox exposure. Yada, yada, yada. 75% death if it's aerosolized. It wouldn't take much. It wouldn't take much to find a pox-infected individual now in a particular community, strap that person down, culture it, culture it, and then walk around with a backpack aerosolizing it. Simple. Simple as. It's there. It's in the environment now. We know it. We know its genetic changes don't fit our models. The, the gene changes are too, too quick what we understand as a DNA virus. So something's going on in an environment where everyone or a lot of people are probably immunocompromised. And a lot of people now have a distrust of organizations, scientists and institutions when they say, oh, take cover now. Boom. A lot of people are not going to do it. So we fuck it, you fucked. I don't know yet. I don't know. Let's see how the data begins to roll out. Where's that excess death coming from? Because it's not registering as COVID. Maybe this has been circulating longer than we think. Maybe, maybe when it goes via aerosol and it gets past the lungs, it's getting in, it's getting in and causing an inflammatory response and, and getting into the brain somehow. Because people are dying with encephalitis. We know that there are some deaths. But if you're not testing for monkeypox, you're gonna you're gonna miss it unless they're presenting with postules. Now, you can sit here or sit there and think, oh, viruses aren't real. So so nonsense. So nonsense from those uh, from those crooked scientists, etc. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe maybe this maybe this is a fake study, much like we found with. Uh, wait for it! Uh, I love this. <laughs> Graffino Goretzi, <laughs> self-made expert neurosurgeon. And actually, whilst I've got the the memes on, I would I would say this: as they've cut my funding, right, and my ability to be able to function, right. I've got to find ways to raise uh, funds. If we if we don't raise funds, we can't do the testing here. And like I say, I I'm. It wouldn't be very hard, right now, to start aerosolizing it. Head literature says it isn't the most likely cause of excess deaths. Uh, no, I don't know. We don't know. 
We don't know. This is the problem with that that type of data. And we don't, we've got to be careful about what's circulating in the environment. I, I, would, I would just say, again, all the immune-supporting elements that you can think of, but if the route of exposure is such that it, it has that high lethality account, <laughs> now, now the sirens should be fucking blaring. Now. But they can't do it because there's this, uh, they don't want the panic in the streets. Let's say, we need to, we need to test that data now. So in order, to, I'm trying to think of ways for people to support me. And so one idea that we, we had was, if, uh, if you would like, if you're a Patreon, right, and you would like me to send you a meme that's laminated and signed or something like that, something that just makes it a little bit more original as a non-fungible token, I'll post it to you, right? And just, we need to find a way to raise the, the money to get back into the lab. We've got a whole bunch of vials that need testing. It's, it's hyper important. We should buy some food. Maybe. Maybe. And ammo. Yeah. But, like I say, if, it, if they're cutting me down. They're doing a good job. Of, of stopping me from um, getting out and spreading the information that's needed and sorting out wheat from chaff. One says, hopefully I can chip in for some testing this month. Please, any anything, everything goes. Like I say, I will be as transparent as humanly possible with what I do with that money. But un un unless we <laughs> unless we get a fucking act together, and I mean it. We have to get our fucking act together. You're way past. You're way past the normal mechanisms. What? You're going to go and petition Biden and Pelosi for redress? You're going to go to the... None of those systems are fucking working. Automatic systems will have kicked in long, long ago. The machines will have taken over the decision making for much of this. You, you either fucking wake up right now and you deal with this hypothesis or, we, or we're very likely on the end of a fucking good kicking. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I see it, man. That's how I see it. And you've got, you've got to be able to sort the BS out right now. You, you, you're at war. You're at war. It might be, but you know, maybe if you want to engage in some sort of masturbatory solipsism, it's all just in your fucking mind. I'm just hallucinating all of this. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the death trip and the last rattle in my in my system. I don't know. I don't know. Fest in war stocks. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's really going to work well for your karma score, right? Jesus. If you want, if 
If you strolled into this stream and wondering who I am, my name's Dr. Kevin McCann, also principal investigator at the Career of Brain Research Institute. I mean what I say when I'm talking about science. Now, because I have to do this shtick every fucking day, I get a bit salty and I, I wrap my humour around it. And so you're going to have to get used to that because there's no other fucking way. No other way. Not one single fucking way that I can see right now to get the data that we need. <laughs> please, please, bookmark McCannDojo.com. That seems somewhat stable. We'll update links as we get them. There's crypto in there, right? There's a cryptocurrency wallet. If you want to click on it, there's even a Monero wallet, right? People don't use it. People don't use it. I'm sure people, they must, be, they must be sitting on loads of Bitcoin if you didn't get it ripped off exchanges already. Or cryptocurrencies of some form or another. All those people that have been hurt in the last two and a half years are in a bad position. Very, very bad position. COVID zombie alert? Maybe. Maybe. But look, man, if, if, all I, if all I can do is rail at the camera and be somewhat entertaining, then they've took me out of the game. I'm useless. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's equipment that's not usable in, in this environment. And we, we have a way of testing this system right up to the edge of the boundary condition. As close as humanly possible. Retinol with vitamin D like all viral pox infections. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Um, again, here's the tip jar. Please, please. We're down to days and hours, folks. Days and fucking hours. If you don't get it, I don't know what else to say. I don't, I don't. What, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Any news from Dr. Nagazi? No. No, no. No. All right, so let's uh, let's move on. Why did I have it? Oh, yeah, this is just, if you've wandered in here and wondering what I'm raging about, is because I have the capability to go and get proper metrics on these vials. Perhaps soon I'm going to be <laughs> testing, right? We'll, we'll be able to test these agents or, or the box if we want to it's there we have the chance here right now but there's a lot of people that could make this problem go away like that but there, there's none there's none and literally literally look I scrape for fucking pennies pennies and I've got to give it back to try to raise funds to get in a fucking laboratory where I can do the test. You've seen it. You've seen it. Glitch not taking any of my cards. Lee, uh, use um, the coffee. Buy me a coffee. Subscribe star. Crypto. Patreon. 
right? There's there's a whole bunch of ways to get in there to say, boom, you're sorted. Go and do it. Please go and do it. It's $1,000 a day to get in that lab and have everything running smoothly. The, the, the link is on the site, Chris. Everything is there. They're, they're trying, like I say, you're, you're dealing with vicious, vicious, amoral cunts. <laughs> Look what they're doing. They don't care. They love it. They love it. Try your card. If you if you have a problem, let me know. Let me know and I can sort it out. DM me. DM me. Like again, you there's a probability, and it's mounting by the day, that we could be in deep fucking shit. Deep. What and you wanna you wanna sit on your little crypto stash, do you? Is that what you wanna do? Oh, we might might climb back up. I might climb back up, I might get a little bit extra. I might survive another breath of oxygen. I don't know. I don't know if I can reach out to him. If he's got the largest pathology lab, okay, why hasn't he done these tests? Why is it taking so long? Why? You think it's a joke? Get it on. Um, yeah, there are updates with uh, <laughs> Graffino. <laughs> Graffino Gretzi, uh, the scammer who's on the uh, No Virus Challenge. Um, of course, we bust him. Uh, but now uh, he's changing. He's changing the documents and the PDFs. He knows we're watching. And we're coming for you bastards as well. Now, oh, I had, a, I had another. Where's he gone? Where did he go? Holy shit, he's a slippery motherfucker. There he is. There, right? Actor Scientifica. It's even got an impact factor. It's even got an impact factor. What do we find when we go down? We know that he stole the identity of... Roberto Gazzari. Roberto Gazzari is a neurosurgeon in Rome. Now, and we've got we've got the record of him using that address. Now he's changed it on the PDF. Now he's Robert O. Young, neurosurgeon, Department of Pain Therapy, California, at the PH Miracle Center. Oh, really? Well, now we've got an address to look at. He's un he's under orders, court orders, not to LARP as a doctor, not to LARP as a scientist, not to LARP as anything approaching someone you can speak to about medicine or physiology. Yet somehow, somehow he's able to spoof journals and reviewers. Yeah, 
and get what is a nonsense paper about graphene, graphene in vaccines, which we're not finding. I, I would I would dispute every every figure that he has on here and every method that he's tried to squeeze in here, which he's he's classing now as a review. A review article is of published prior published research that's recognized. Can can someone just uh, Google map that for me? Give me a link, please. Let's let's have a look. Let's have a look. Some fucking message to critics. <laughs> uh, free at last, free at last. Thank God I'm free. At last. Okay, one of my favorite quotes. Of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've lived with doubt criticism for so long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still laugh every now and then. Something about AIDS. I've had people object to my saying that HIV virus does not cause AIDS. Great percentage of the larger scientific community does not believe that either. I'm in good company. Some people object to my theory of multiforms and origins of what called bacteria and viruses. This is abiogenic uh, pleomorphism. <laughs> okay. You can, you can you can spout all the nonsense you want, but um, data. This is this is a scientific a scientific waste of time. Right now, but we've caught someone in a scam that's breaking, um, breaking the law right now in the United States, and I don't think he's doing it uh, under. How should we say? Moral and ethical, but what we what we would consider stand-up moral and ethical uh, principles. Anyway, um, there it is. We made him change it, right? So we're catching the fraud in in motion. In motion. How many? Hundred million. One hundred and four million. He's he's on the hook for. You don't think uh, some government agency could come and lean on him when they're trying to convince you the viruses aren't real? Can't be biological warfare. It doesn't exist. Bio warfare can't exist. Oh, it's all nonsense. It's all made up. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? That's his gaff. <laughs> hundred million? Yeah, that's probably worth about a hundred million. Sardinia. Ah, so it's it's located in Italy. So maybe he's got a link with that neurosurgeon. They've both engaged in scientific fraud. Didn't get a response back from the message that I sent to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Sabine investigate for prescribing HCQ and IVM. Yeah, it's uh, it's nonsense. All right. Um, I've got um, I've got to move on. All that shouting sort of burnt my throat out. So let's just get on with the. Uh, 
news. This was something interesting. As I was closing tabs, I came across uh, this. I can't remember um, why I got into it, but we would start. I, I would, uh, peg, right? We're interested in peg and polysorbate 80. And uh, this from January, maybe Walter sent this, but polysorbate 80 controls morphology, structure, and stability of human insulin amyloid like spherulites. And um, polysorbate 80 is sort of analogous to pegylated um, fats. Now, again, um, each one of these is indicating that should be some phosphorus in there. And we didn't find it. Not yet. Not yet. Something's not quite right. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to test it. We've got to test it. I can see, I can see the signature of lipids, forms of lipid. No message, but we got a reaction from Young. Great work. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, right, let me uh, move on. Now, I wanted to... Um, so I've done the war. I've done... Oh, Draco. Draco, which I wanted to do. Let me find Draco. Fucking young. Spoiling everything. That's the problem with uh, Draco. Uh, from Spartacus. Now, we've spoke about Dracos before, and double-stranded RNA came up in the study that we looked at last week where they were comparing um, monkey kidney cells next to neuron, neuronal model cells. And we saw those, for want of a better word, um, tendrils shoot out and pierce the neighboring cell to allow infection. Now, Draco, I, I should do more of this. I want to do a stream with uh, Spartacus, and we should just go through his article. I don't think I don't think I have the time right now to do to to do it in depth. I really don't. Uh, Doc, I sent you a tip. I'm not sure if it went through. Um, Actor scientific. Uh, let me let me try uh, ringing Actor Scientifica. <laughs> Let's uh, let's try that for a, for a laugh. Great job. Let me do that. Uh, uh, ba, 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 ba. What donation link takes the least amount of money? This one, the tip jar. That one takes the least amount of money. Uh, where, where did it go? <laughs> what this one? doesn't work what's the what's the code for nine one what country is nine one
อินเดียเนี่ยเฮ้ยจีดีบักชิแต่เบสเลยว่า anyway doesn't work <laughs> all right moving on um, so I'm gonna I want to do this 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 popped in the feed now I think this is important um, stream because they're starting to ask the right questions the problem is they know I think that they're getting very very close to a third rail right when when they're starting to ask hypothesis about how they can save the republic. How can they save the institutes that have been subverted? Can the American system survive the subversion? Now, I've got to um, grab something to to wet the whistle with. Uh, oh, Kev is uh, thirsty, so I'm going to leave you with uh, this gem right now. Oh, I will be back in a few minutes. Uh, let's uh, let's do uh, this and let's do. Uh, This. I'll be back in a few moments, folks. I'll be back.
Until tonight. All right. Uh, Pepe salute, sir. Pepe salute. Um, all right. Where were we? I wanted to, I wanted to just comment on this discussion because they raise some very, very important points. They lay out the evisceration of our systems, our institutes. They lay out the, the mechanics of a worldview that has gripped much of the western hemisphere for sure it's not such a thing here in the east the east are laughing at you but um let's uh let's let's begin i'll, I'll let them get on the preamble and then i want to just sort of um shared characteristics of woke thinking critically Oh, there were, there, there's so much in here to unpack. Whole thing. Jesus. We play it one and a half times here. Keep up. To believe that there are uh, two sexes and that you know gender is their, right. their behavioral manifestation, we are not allowed to believe that we are understood to be bad people if we did. Yeah, I, I a little self-conscious about saying this, but I think that, that uh, my former um, um, co-author and I were the first people to come up with that idea of wokeism as religion in 2014, an essay we published in All Think. Uh, Privilege is the original sin. We talked about this as, as a new religion, but you see, so, so this is the explanatory mechanism for why media, literally every institution you can think of, has been captured. Thank One you. and the same. In any case, welcome to Dark Horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get through that. Uh, sponsors. Work ideology and confirmation bias. This is what I speak about all the time. It is an astonishing degree of arrogance. It is an astonishing degree of unsureness. That's V-I-V-O-B-A-R-E-F-O-O-T dot com slash Dark Horse. It is an astonishing degree of arrogance. It is an astonishing degree of unshakable moral certitude of hubris and, and also embedded in that it's as if it's not as if you've taken the time to do the intellectual work and a diligent rigorous study of the history of western intellectual thought or even you know i guess i see your bookshelf over here you know suicide of the western it's not as if they've looked at pieces and looked at articles that disagree with their thoughts and then come up with the best reason then reason no there's none of that there's no intellectual work it's in a complete withdrawal from any in which they would not do with almost anything else of significant consequence. Well, it's a little bit like they have been intellectually arrested in their development before the acquisition of nuance, right? It's like... And uh, again, this is a description of ideological possession and the, the struggle that man has with it to come to when you're talking about nuance, you're talking about wisdom. You know, yeah, that's a good, good many of us have strong beliefs about the way things work, but we're aware that not all of the evidence goes in that direction. The, the, you know, the, the... Uh, this was August 1st. Um, we are, where are we heading? Brett speaks with Peter Bogosian, and it's about woke ideology. 
woke ideology and its permeation into all of our systems, such that someone like myself can get debanked like that at a flick of a switch. Because they don't like what I'm saying. And um, there's, like I said, there's there's a huge, huge amount to unpack in this. And, and again, what 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 he's angling to there is that you know there's a there's a degree of nuance of thinking, wisdom that comes with um, experience, bench time, for want of a better word. The universe is complex, and analogy, until you develop that recognition, things look very black and white. And right. really, the question is, are they capable of growing out of it? Okay, so we need one more piece to that before we talk about the other pieces that they gain their ideas are they're rewarded for those ideas through the institutions they're rewarded through the ideas when they see these critical point to understand when you're activating these reward pathways and circuits you you get into a self-reinforcing spiral that eventually ends in a display of overt behavior that is maladaptive we can see that it's maladaptive it's causing harm these ideas percolate in various media outlets, in the academy especially. And so they're receiving the sanctuary and imprimatur, and they go through these ideas. Ide it's basically these colleges and now particularly humanities are ideology mills. And so they receive training, it's ideologued. They believe these there's bodies of literature. So for them, their certitude drives at least in part because they believe that it's been gained through a legitimate process from people who have done the intellectual work that they themselves have not done. Right, and it uh, it goes to a point that Heather and I make. It's, it's one of our core educational points: is that you cannot trust an education that is based entirely on things that are mediated through a social channel. In other words, Correct. If, if the fact that the person at the front of the room thinks that what you've said is very clever doesn't mean that it is or it isn't. And so, it's very important that everybody engage systems that are capable of telling you when your thinking isn't any good you know if you're a carpenter and you're making a dovetail joint and you think it should work this way right. and then you attempt it and it doesn't fit no fictive versus actual reality folks that's a good point something i try to hammer home a lot you, you may think you're in the on the right vector but when you come to place the piece into the puzzle it doesn't fit how many pieces are you going to have to pull out to unwind it? How painful is it going to be to pull those pieces out as you get towards your masterpiece? Nobody has to tell you that didn't work and you need to change it. Right. An another way to think about that is a corrective mechanism. You need some way to correct your cognitions to align them with reality. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a concept in the reward circuitry and pathways of the brain where we could we could see the reward pathway and there's a physiology that's mapped to it where we can so dopamine is a critical critical part of this network and it's what happens is is that system becomes it can become self-reinforcing and so this is indicated by the brain stimulation experiments where the rat will just self-stimulate to the point that it'll it'll collapse or die so you need an error correcting mechanism in that circuitry and there's been recent work that sort of found potentially that um that mechanism which feeds back from the thalamus into the dopaminergic circuitry of the basal ganglia and 
there's a well, I don't I don't want to get too much into neuroscience because there's there's more philosophy and just um, social analysis that needs to be done. And like I say, I'm I'm a sort of unified field thinker and I, I don't see biology as being separate or society and social constructs being separate from the the construct energy construct that that makes up our reality if you like i can't, I can't think of a more plainer language to put it in doctor we not account for the sixth sense driven by the pineal gland to the heart rats although mammalian are not humans um look <laughs> oh, i don't want to get into it but look you can you can impact the heart and the heart can impact the brain very very quickly um you know again the body sense mind brain body connection it's all it's all a wonderful conversation to have were we not under such dire fucking circumstances and there are there's a limit there's so many things you can do in the physical domain like carpentry you can just empirically you could just start cutting up joints and sticking them in but in the cognitive domain you can do that linguistically through a dialectic so you can do that in conversation with others provided that those people actually as opposed to just you know being your devil's advocate which is an interesting history of the phrase as well from the, from the Catholic Church. But um, what is needed is exactly... Um, I want to say someone very kindly has tried to donate $500. Please DM me. I will give you um, a bank account to transfer money to, account sorting, direct bank to bank, please. If, if, you're, if you're prepared to donate that amount, that puts us into a situation where we're, we're close to one and a half, two days. I can do a lot in two days. The tools that are needed are exactly the things that the woke app. And someone else tried a uh, $100 um, in the last hour or so. Please, if you if you had a failure, if you had a failure, let me know. Let me know. Because I, I, I need to be able to book the lab. I need to be sure I can, I can cover it. Absent themselves from. Being in a dialectic. The goth thing is live. Ugh. Oh, breaking news. ...from the WIV and on line two of the Wuhan subway system, as shown in this chart. All early cases are in hospitals adjacent to line two, and the probability this was a chance occurrence is one in 68,000. The line two COVID conduit, as I called it, includes the PLA hospital, the WIV, the market, and the international airport. <clears throat> you can literally walk down into the subway system from the WIV in China and next exit outside in London, Paris, Dubai, Los Angeles, or New York, all before having any symptoms. Modeling by others suggested the pandemic could not have occurred without the international spreading impact of line two. Has skin function research been useful uh, to the COVID response or any other public health infectious disease emergency. I have found no evidence that gain-of-function research helped in either the COVID pandemic or other smaller epidemics. We now know that an MRI vaccine can be designed within literally days of a new outbreak once the pathogen is sequenced, and large-scale manufacturing can begin soon thereafter. This I'm not so sure about that. ...capability has now been fully road-tested and provides, in my opinion, the best defensive capability against future microbes. It's also important to point out that gain-of-function research is a Does tiny it? sliver of all research funded by NIH. 
Specifically, there were over 36,000 R01 grants funded by NIH in 2020, the latest year with statistics. Of these, the self-described gain of function on potential pathogens research grants numbered only 21 in the latest funding year. Even expanding this by tenfold with a less stringent definition of gain of function would mean we are talking about less than 1% of all NIH research funding. I cannot imagine a scenario where but for this tiny research effort, a new pandemic occurs. What reforms should be considered in order to assure that such research is conducted in a safe and transparent manner? While I found no actual benefit of gain-of-function research, I believe efforts to ban it, given the vested interests of literally the entire virology community, is a hill too steep to climb. A proposal that I believe is achievable is the placement of all select agent research within the existing institutional re re review board structure used for human clinical trials. I believe that this effort would put guardrails around the most dangerous aspects of this research and has the added benefit of international acceptance, including in China. My second reform would be to separate government oversight from the funding agency, um, and the model would be the Atomic Energy Commission. No! monitoring. There are ways to build into these systems a forensic and law enforcement capability. Wow! That, for example, with probable cause and a court search warrant, allow the work of any lab in the world to be scrutinized remotely. My fourth recommendation is simple. Don't put dangerous infectious disease laboratories near subways like Line 2, where every major city in the world is accessible within the incubation period of, of, of an infection. Uh, 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 finally, uh, including what I call going of opportunity research, going into caves where humans are seldom found, taking a bat fecal sample containing thousands of viruses, bringing those viruses back to a laboratory and culturing the specimens where a virus might be controlled in a diverse natural environment, is now able to grow unrestricted in pure culture, provides an immense increased potential risk, a gain of opportunity for the virus. This is the goal of the Global Virome Project, a Gates Foundation-funded EcoHealth Alliance-associated effort. Their stated goal, collect the estimated 500,000 unknown viruses that are capable of infecting humans and bring them back to a laboratory near you. What could go wrong? Did I have the last slide here? What happens if we have these hearings and nothing happens? In December 2019, we, we performed a remote audit, forensic examination of the Wuhan Institute of Virology and found synthetic biology experiments with the Nipah virus. At the, as the chart shows, they had created a cloning vector with a virus the U.S. CD, CDC defines as bioterrorism agent. Nipah virus is one of the deadliest on the planet with a greater than 60% lethality. Why were they conducting this experiment? I do not know. But a laboratory-acquired infection with this virus, if it became airborne, would make COVID-19 look like a walk in the park. The work of this committee is critical to protecting the American people as well as the people of all countries from future pandemics, man-made or natural. If we now fail to act with the knowledge we have, history will judge us poorly. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Oh, wow, wow. I've just seen this. Give, send, go. Thank you, Anxious Aussie. He wants $50,000. Wow, people have given him $6,000. Well, I guess there's a tactic we can use. Um, maybe I should do that. He wants 50000 To do what? To do what? To put out the garbage that he's putting right now? Thank you, Dr. Quay. Our final witness is Dr. Kevin Esfeld. He's currently an assistant professor at the MIT Media Lab Group, where he leads the Sculpting Evolution Group. Dr. Esfeld received his P BA in Chemistry and Biology from Harvey Mudd College and would later complete his PhD in Biochemistry at Harvard University as a Hertz Fellow. 
While working in the laboratory of David Liu at Harvard University, Dr. Esfeld invented phage-assisted continuous evolution, or PACE, which is a synthetic microbial ecosystem for rapidly evolving biomolecules. Later, during his time as a WIS technology fellow, uh, Esfeld's focus centered around the development of gene drive technology. Many of Esfeld's contributions related to the bioethics and biosafety of such gene drivers, and he is credited as the first to describe how CRISPR gene drives could be used to alter the traits of wild populations in an evolutionary stable manner. In his recent work at the Sculpting Evolution Group, Dr. Esfelt and his colleagues invented the new technology known as daisy drives, which would let communities aiming to prevent disease alter wild organisms in local ecosystems. Sounds great. In his career, Dr. Esfelt has been a champion of universal safeguards, transparency, raising scientific awareness of developing early warning systems to reliably detect any catastrophic biological threat, and advising policymakers on how to best mitigate global catastrophic bio-risk. Dr. Esfeld. Chair Hassan, Ranking Member Paul, Senators, thank you for the kind invitation. Now, I have to say that I have no special insights regarding the origins of COVID. Yay. In fact, I kind of doubt there's sufficient evidence to be conclusive in one way or the other. Uh, he's, he's compromised already. Get him the fuck off there. But our models suggest that knowing where it came from wouldn't actually help us defend against future pandemics. Because they don't want to point back to the actual origin. I agreed to speak to a bipartisan hearing today because this is the Emerging Threats Subcommittee. And I'm increasingly concerned by our continuing failure to recognize an increasingly dire technological threat. Leo Szilard, who invented the nuclear chain reaction and launched the modern non-proliferation movement, is a scientific hero of mine. And he wrote, the most important step in getting a job done is the recognition of the problem. The problem isn't our inability to agree on what does or does not constitute gain-of-function research, or even whether the putative benefits of this research outweigh the risks of accidents. Rather, the problem is that we are so used to thinking of pandemics as a health and safety issue that we've missed the national security implications of identifying viruses that could be deliberately unleashed to kill millions of people. Let me illustrate. When the genome of SARS-2 was first posted online, scientists didn't have to wait for physical samples of the virus to become available to begin studying it and working on countermeasures. That's because we could order synthetic DNA corresponding to the genome of the pathogen and assemble infectious samples using freely available step-by-step -step protocols. From a biomedical perspective, that is a triumph, particularly because it only costs a few thousand dollars and the price is... And it costs a few thousand dollars, folks. And these muppets, you already see now they're trying to smooth over the, uh, <laughs> the cracks. Plummeting. But from a security perspective, that means that thousands of researchers could gain access to a novel pandemic agent as soon as it was identified as such. Thankfully, we still don't know of any particularly concerning examples. That is, agents that would likely cause a pandemic if they were to be released even at multiple sites.
think to disagree. If we did know, then the modern-day equivalent of a terrorist like Seichi Endo, who is a graduate-trained virologist, and doomsday cultist, who sought samples of Ebola and used chemical weapons to commit mass murder, might have well assembled them and released them in airports by now. But this, this is the sarin gas in Tokyo. Infectious disease. You naturally want to know what the next threat might be so that you can better prepare defenses. That makes sense. And that is why both USAID and NIH have funded research attempting to find or create novel pandemic capable viruses in labs all over the world. Now, we disagree on whether some of those experiments might fall into an arbitrarily defined category called gain-of-function research. We biologists disagree over what a species is. Did you know that a tiger and a lion can interbreed? But what nobody disputes is that in the hope of preventing natural pandemics, both agencies seek to identify viruses that could kill as many people as a nuclear weapon to alert the entire world to what they find and to publicly sharing the complete genome sequences of those viruses so that skilled scientists everywhere will be able to make infectious samples. The tragedy is that these are health experts, well-meaning health experts who have dedicated their lives to fighting infectious disease. And they struggle to imagine anyone evil enough to deliberately cause one. So they never considered that these advances in technology, which are continuing, plus a list of pandemic-capable viruses, would allow a single skilled terrorist to unleash more pandemics at once than would naturally occur in a century. And no one warned them, perhaps because, as has been previously noted, they lack independent security oversight of their work. Now, it's always possible that we could save more lives by helping to prevent natural pandemics than we would lose due to deliberate acts of terrorism. But according to our numerical cost-benefit model, it's not even close, even for the best-case scenario. The reason is that so many viruses encounter a human. The lowest published estimate suggests that for every pandemic virus that does spill over in a century, there's a hundred that will never encounter a human. That means if you identify one at random, even if we could perfectly prevent it from spilling over and causing a pandemic, that one virus, then we have a one in a hundred chance of actually preventing a pandemic. <laughs> Mark says later he'll say, let me sleep with your baby because of nukes. <laughs> but if there's just a 1% chance never! of deliberate misuse per year, then in that same time period, we can expect to cause a pandemic. In other words, pandemic virus identification, whether it's created in the lab or whether it's just identified in the wild, is expected to kill 100 times as many people as it would save. For 75 years, the United States successfully kept nuclear weapons out of the hands of terrorists. In the wake of a pandemic that has killed more people than could any thermonuclear explosion, it's time to start doing the same for pandemic viruses. For starters, Congress could study, an issue, study the issue and release a finding on whether pandemic virus identification endangers national security. It's just that simple. Then, if necessary, reform USAID and NIH research. It could require an oversight committee of experts from security agencies to review all requests for proposals in the life sciences.
We know the individuals who are involved in the current pandemic. They should all be uh, racked in jail. Ghislaine Maxwell. Right now. Right now. This isn't a fucking joke. This is this is a year, a year and a half behind where we should be. Holy fuck. It could update the federal select agent program to automatically regulate viruses at the first sign of pandemic capability, because these are the most dangerous agents out there. It could require all DNA synthesis orders to be screened for hazards. And perhaps most important, Congress could legislate catastrophe liability. That is, liability for human-caused events that result in more than a million American casualties, as SARS-2 has, and require general liability insurance to cover it. That would induce the market to price in the cost of negative externalities and cause professional insurance risk analysts to perform those cost-benefit analyses. Now, I'm optimistic about this issue because we just need to buy time. If we can keep pandemic cases yeah, you're out, buddy. You're out. The pox is already here. The people are already compromised. We already heard them say that the lipid nanoparticle gene transfection technology is the way to go. I highly doubt the <laughs> the actions of these individuals. Americans, you, you've got a job on your hands. Capable viruses out of the hands of terrorists for a decade then we can deploy new general purpose defense. Yeah, buy your pandemic insurance. Where have, we, <laughs> where have we had that before? The old, uh, it's, uh, the old lightning. Technologies. These range from ubiquitous sequencing that can detect any emerging threat to perfect protective equipment for our essential workers to low wavelength germicidal lights. And these together could protect us from all pandemics, whether natural, accidental, or deliberate. Pandemic proliferation is a solvable national security problem, but only if we recognize it as one. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Esfeld. We'll start with uh, Senator Scott from Florida. All right. Thank you, Chair. Dr. Isfeld, in your testimony, you talk about USAID funding gain-of-function experiments through deep VZN, the program which specifically conducts experiments geared toward pandemics in virology and stop, stop spillover, which, as you know, researches spillover between animals and humans. Can you talk about what these programs specifically are and why they may be dangerous? Deep Vision and Stop Spillover are extensions of USAID's long-running PREDICT program, the goal of which was to predict pandemics, that is, to identify viruses in the wild that had a good chance of spilling over and causing a pandemic in humans. And this has this is part of the laudable One Health program, which seeks to identify essentially hotspots where viruses are likely to spill over into humans and cause a pandemic. Idea is if we find these hotspots, educate the community, teach them what to do in the event of an outbreak, then we might be able to stop it before it reaches our shores. That makes sense. But again, they don't seem to have thought of the security issues associated with publishing a list of pandemic-capable viruses by threat order. Now, we can't necessarily know whether a given pandemic would take off until it's spreading in humans, but there's a narrow set of laboratory experiments that can tell us, does it look like a human endemic virus in certain traits? And these are a tiny subset of all experiments that really aren't very useful for anything else. They don't help with therapeutic development. So part of PREDICT was to 
take samples of these viruses, bring them back to the lab, run these kinds of experiments, sequence the genomes. Epstein-Mays predict. They didn't find anything particularly scary, but they found some candidates that looked fairly nasty, including at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And it's hard to know what USAID did and did not approve, but they are listed as an acknowledgement, as is NIH, on a paper that recombined those dangerous-looking but definitely not pandemic-capable viruses and then performed experiments to see did they look like they could plausibly cause pandemics. So do you think these programs are dangerous? I think any program attempting to identify an agent that would be widely accessible and could be deliberately released to kill millions of people is pretty much the definition of dangerous, yes. Do you think the USAID, whose main job is to provide humanitarian aid globally, has the oversight for programs and experiments like STOP, Spillover, and Deep VZN, which are not humanitarian in nature? I think there's a very strong humanitarian case for preventing pandemics. I think that the absence of security oversight means that USAID was probably just not aware of the security consequences of their work. And it remains to be seen whether they will decide that it is inadvisable to maintain a ranked order list of the most threatening viruses. So do you, do you think they have the oversight ability to, to handle this job? It's unclear exactly who they're seeking advice from. Uh, my understanding is that they are seeking advice from folks with greater security expertise. And the real question is what actions are going to come of that. Okay. So would these programs go through a P3CO review? My understanding is that federally funded research does go through P3CO review. However, it is unclear whether the basic find the pathogens program would go through such review, because until you find it and at least run some characterization to determine whether or not it looks like a pandemic virus, it would not necessarily be regulated. And as previously mentioned, due to the transparency issues with that committee, it's very much unclear what their remit is and is not. Are, um, do you know who's on the panel for P3 COs? I do not. Why, why wouldn't, is it not public? My understanding is it is, is it is not public. Why wouldn't it be public? That is an <laughs> uh, I just, uh, when I was posting, I, I dropped this in the, uh, what was it, military uh, server, UK defense community, boom, out I went. <laughs> uh, like I say, I'm a political dissident from the UK. There's no way I'm going back there. Um, they're all fucked. Excellent question. <laughs> so you, do any of the witnesses know why it wouldn't be public? No. Is it part of the... I know it isn't public, and I don't know why it is not. So it's part of our federal government, right? Correct. And so what, what, do they think Americans are not smart enough to understand it? You'll have to ask the people at NIH. Do you know how they made the decision not to make it, the names public? No. Okay. So for each of you, do you think that the P3CO review is comprehensive enough on NIH grants, or do you think gain-of-function grants have been approved without a P3CO review? Let's, let's go to Dr. Ebright. So I want to leave him out of the, and we'll go through each of you. Dr. Ebright, would you like to respond to that? Yes. So, uh, as I mentioned in my uh, summary statement, there have been only three P3CO reviews in the four and a half years that the P3CO framework has been in effect. The majority of gain-of-function research of concern enhanced potential pandemic pathogen research 
supported by NIH has not undergone P3CO review. It has not undergone P3CO review for the simple reason that the NIH has not identified and flagged the proposals as subject to P3CO review and has not forwarded the proposals for P3CO review. When we ask the other two to respond as well. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, just echoing uh, Dr. Hebright, it's, it's been a failure, I think, at this point in time, and so we need to find an alternative, which is perhaps to take it out of the NIH, uh, make the oversight outside of the agency that's funding. One major problem is that gain of function is a terrible term. It applies to most of biotechnology in the raw, and you can try to add qualifiers as you want. But it also inherently does not catch efforts to identify perfectly natural but nevertheless highly lethal pandemic-capable viruses. And it really doesn't matter where the thing comes from. What matters is do you know that there is a good chance that it causes a pandemic? And again, maybe you don't think we can ever be confident more than, say, 50% for a given virus. But if you get a list of eight viruses that you're 50% confident, it's possible to make all eight, let them go, and you have got pretty good odds there. So. I am concerned by efforts to continue to focus on gain of function because it is so ill-defined and it seems more productive to narrow in on the classes of experiments that can substantially increase our confidence that a virus is pandemic capable, wherever it comes from. He's literally just arguing the case for EcoHealth here. <laughs> Not this time. Not this fucking time. No, 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 not this fucking time, no fucking way, no fucking way, no fucking way, no fucking way, you made me look a right cunt. They're going to make you all look like right cunts. This is a conversation that should have happened at least more than two years ago. More than two years ago. And right now, we've got gunboats and fighter craft all moving into position while we've got these uh, pathogens rampaging across the world. They don't want to speak about it in the context of biowarfare. And what? What? They, they, they don't want to upset people. They don't. They, they, <laughs> it's too far. It's taking the conversation too far. Why aren't they saying what I'm saying in there till we can diffuse that problem? We've got to diffuse that bomb. We've got to take it out of action. They're not doing it. This this looks like an exercise in covering your ass and saying, oh, look, you know, something happened around Wuhan. So it could have flown in. There's a military games, remember? <laughs> this, is, this, this is the charade that people are going to be hanging on and it will do nothing. It will make some extra pages in some NIH guideline book. <laughs> That's it. Um... Ebright's job has been to mitigate blowback from pandemic origins. It's evidenced by his fixation on Fauci and Collins, etc. But their assumptions are proving to be inaccurate, unable to stop the blowback writ large. Yeah, look, man, I, I, I don't have much time for uh, this. I don't. I don't. Um, if, this is, if this group and network think this is the way to actually go and um, make progress, okay, great. Uh, you do that. Um, we've got more important issues on our hand. And I've heard a whole bunch from these people that I think is highly problematic already. The, the support for uh, um, gene-vectored interventions. 
that potentially could have put us into a situation where um, pox virus is um, going to make a, a very dangerous jump. It, 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 could, it wants to be aerosolized. So it'll fill that niche. I, 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 like I said, I, if you, if you, please be my guest. Go and watch this. Um, I, I think, I think uh, the discussion with Brett Weinstein is more edifying. Um, it's it, this is of uh, little use to us. We're too, we're too far over the horizon to these people. We've gone. They're in our dust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what does he brightly do? Oh, it reminds me of my, like, like uh, Peppy. Oh, Peppy the Frog. <laughs> people who disagree with you in developing arguments so that you can... Right, so let's get back to this about wokeism. Wokeism, which I would argue is you're seeing it right now. Political correctness being played out as institutes, are, you know, in the background. Saying, oh, God, you know, I've got to do it like this. I've got to upset that. I've got to think about funding. Oh, patent, patent returns. Huh? Where's... <laughs> I would be in there saying, stop it all. All those virologists uh, cease work right now all of it not, not one thing more not one experiment more shut down shut down those labs put everything in liquid nitrogen and uh we'll <laughs> we'll encase it all uh in in like chernobyl like uh structures accurately assess how confident you should be in a belief based upon the reason and evidence you have for that belief. Right. It's uh, it's basically a methodological confirmation bias. Were they to confront evidence that runs counter to their belief system, it would be harder to maintain it. And, you know, as you started, uh, you pointed out that basically the institutions are rewarding people for wrong thinking. Correct. Right. For thinking incorrect things. And that results in the mind basically adapting itself to this niche right the niche is here are some wrong things that we want you to believe by the time you leave this institution and if you challenge them because they are wrong right. you will be penalized you will come out worse and if you accept them and in fact advance them then you will do better and so it is impossible for uh, a compliant mind to recognize that it is being sort of lured into fitting a container that is itself a fiction so i want to talk about some of those things oppression variables uh, systemic racism, equity, but the piece of this we haven't talked about, it's on the other side as, as well. It's from the professor, the professor, professor oh, professors yeah. see this, administrators see this. So the whole system is in a sense geared to misalign people's beliefs with reality. It's been ideologically captured. They've created mechanisms, testing, and sent, they've incentivized you or students believing certain things. For, even the very shift from education as a truth-seeking institution educare to lead out of, to education being to remediate or alleviate oppression from polyphorous pedagogy of the oppressed. Even the very way that we think about the structure of our institutions in their North Star has changed. And, right. and as, any questioning of that is blasphemy, by the way. Right, as uh, as Jonathan Haidt points out, right? Oh, the telos of the university, right? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't have a social justice university and a truth-seeking university. It's one or the other. Yeah, so which one's going to go for objective measures and facts? Which one has the better philosophy? at hand and woke won't do it woke woke is a uh all-encompassing borg like rot that's taken a hold of our institutions yeah it, that's the other thing you, there, there are so many things you you can't have you, you can't have equity and equality you can't have but here's the thing when you opt out of the law of non-contradiction none of those things are a problem 
Explain that. Well, when you just say, you know, I'm not buying into this notion that things that I say can't contradict it, itself, because I don't buy into this idea that there's an objective reality. Like my subjective experience, my standpoint of epistemology, that is the only thing that matters. And so if something is a contradiction, that's just a contradiction to you. It's not something. I would argue that he's talking about extreme solipsism, where everything is just a creation of your own own mind. Something that I have to be legitimately or concerned about or concerned about it anyway at all. So you, so they just, the, not only are the rules of discourse, it's just the rules of thinking themselves. They've absented themselves from. Well, I suspect that this is also, in its own way, a failure of development in the sense that a child, a very young child, does not necessarily have a sense of where they are in time, right? What the relationship of yesterday is to today is to tomorrow. And if you do an instantaneous measure, this thing I am saying feels very right at this moment. Yeah. The fact that it contradicts something I said 10 minutes ago only matters if I believe in a kind of consistency between 10 minutes ago and now. But if I'm only holding myself accountable for the thing that's emerging from my mouth in this instant, right. then it isn't such a problem. And I would argue, yeah. Heather and I noticed when we were, when we were professors, that there was a an odd contradiction between what the faculty thought of each other hmm. and what the students apparently took away from those faculty. Huh. So if you gather the faculty in a room, right, the faculty vehemently disagreed with each other on fundamental issues. There was no worldview that they all embraced that could be described in which there were, you know, maybe disagreements at the fringe. There were fundamental disagreements between from one part department to the next. But when the students went from one class to the next, they did not treat what they learned two hours ago as if it had to reconcile with what they're learning right now. They treated everything a la carte, right? Everything was, you know, basically with respect to this professor, am I making sense? And so it was clear that the, the students were playing a game, right? That they were not learn. They did not even in their own minds imagine that they were learning about the universe and some large story that humanity has figured out. Oh, that's a grand narrative. Right. right. It's a grand narrative. What they were doing was learning to please the person at the front of the room. And it was very hard when we were teaching to break them of this habit because in general, the professors would punish them for trying to reconcile things that they had Wrong think, wrong think in a woke environment. Oh dear, oh dear. No, they leave guys so far to deep, thank you, not let you do research. Right, the professors right. wanted the insulation of presenting their own story and not having a challenge come back. So that's really interesting on a number of levels. One is that you create a culture in which people don't speak honestly and openly. Mm. So you, you don't know what anybody else believes, you just know what their verbal behavior is. So the cultural aspect, I would even go beyond that and say that you create a culture in which everybody operating in that is pretending to know something they don't know. Yes. They, yeah, I mean, if, so this is something I've been thinking about for years now. When, when okay, so this is, a, this is a big thing because it's coupled with systems. To what extent do people have to understand arguments against their position before they can have adequate confidence to justify their belief in a claim. Important question. Well, I would argue it depends very much on the nature of what is being asserted. And one of the most difficult logical skills yeah. is understanding to what degree this part of an argument is contingent on this part of the argument. In other words, just simply knowing that all the pieces aren't true uh, in an argument doesn't tell okay. you what the consequence of the falseness of this piece is. Right. Okay. So this is also something to piggyback off of that that I've been thinking about a long time. When, when you look at the, the really canonical documents about critical thinking. So really the deep dive stuff. The American Philosophical Association has this piece I talk about all the time. It's wonderful. It's the um, it's called the Delphi Report. And basically they say that critical thinking is a skill set and a disposition. But what's been a main thrust of my work is if you have the skill set but don't have the disposition, you'll drive yourself further into delusion. Mm. Because you, you, you'll, you'll look in your epistemic landscape, you'll look for things that confirm what you already believe. 
So you, you have to have the attitudinal disposition, certain attitudes of being trustful of reason and willing to revise your belief would be, in my opinion, the top two. But if, but we don't really teach the attitude. In fact, we almost punish the attitude. Ah, and here's the, uh, the ultimate case, yeah. right? In science, you have to have what I would say is a perverse disposition, right? We are all born wanting to be right about things, right? It's much more pleasant to be right about things than to be wrong. To be good at science, you have to take a belief that you are actually rooting for. Yeah. Let's say you come up with some clever hypothesis. Yeah. You can't help but want it to be right, right? But you have to work hard to prove it's wrong. Just confirm it, yeah. And that yeah, yeah. is, so it's a, it's a difficult Found. That's critical. Well, <laughs> try to prove it wrong. Counterintuitive kind of skill. Yeah. And here's the problem. Yeah. What we have done to the funding of science has caused scientists to become advocates for themselves. Yes. When you train them to be advocates, when you're constantly forcing oh, them because to, they won't get grants if right, they don't show. They have yeah, to yeah. sell their their proposal yeah, yeah. to the granting agencies, to you know their departments. And the point is, it turns them into salesmen, and yeah. they become absolutely incapable of scientific thinking. Yet, as you point out, they have all the tools, right? I mean, in some cases, they literally have the tools. Yeah. They have very fancy scientific, uh, you know, yeah. uh, machinery, and they have the the language. So they sound like scientists. They look like scientists. They function in a way like scientists. But the mindset is completely reversed, and what it results in is very compelling wrong narratives delivered by people who have the authority that you know that causes other people to simply say, "Well, what would I?" Know? Yeah, precisely. I I am in perfect accordance with Brett here. I I, I am. He's put it far more eloquently than I ever could. And it's a problem that I've been trying to describe for two and a half years now. It's a problem that I've known has existed for decades. And we must find a way out of it. And, you know, um, I watched the stream with Jonathan where he was looking at Rancid Yellow and, and, you know, he was talking about what we need right now is we need some sort of public alternative to the institutes that the public can trust, a sort of um, organic network that has the ability to, to engage, get, engage them in the scientific back and forth, if you like, the dialectic. And look, Again, this is a plea. If we if we can't raise the minimum, the minimum, right, to, to keep me in the fight to do this, then what 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 position are you going to be in? How are you going to navigate what's coming? And that there's very very few people. Why why aren't they doing these tests elsewhere? Why is it left to people like P. H. Young to stick in their loads of grift and get and, and try to engage in scientific fraud? Why, 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 why? Why are we watching in Congress that, that what, what looks like a, a, a plea, a plea for clemency and, uh, oh, we got it wrong, we'll, we'll get it right in the next system, same as it ever was. And the solution is a more, more radical change in how we do these experiments. And, and Brett is very right that we've trained these people in the use of these uh, uh, tools and equipment, but do they have the critical thinking capacity? Do they understand the nuance or is it driven? Is it driven by a woke ideology that permeates these institutes? That if you would want to think differently, you will get punished. If you want to question the concept that the um, 
The genders are fluid. Fluid to the point where we think it's such a concrete representation of reality that we target our children. And these experts are on board. I published a piece, a piece that was an adjunct to that idea that talks about when very smart people get together. Was that from your bike? Yes, from my bike. Uh, when very smart people get together, people who are better at rationalizing, you know, coming up with good reasons for bad conclusions in groups, you're better at that. And so when groups of smart people to get together, they're better at rationalizing. In other words, coming up with good reasons for bad conclusions. And that's why you see entire departments um, the, you know, I, I, there's a line in that, that the gatekeepers of reason have fallen talking about philosophers. So they just basically promote the dominant moral orthodoxy. They promote these narratives. Right, the dominant moral orthodoxy. What a, what a fantastic way of summing it up. Bravo, Peter Bogosian. Brilliant. To which there's really, not only is there no evidence at this point, but we actually know, for example, trigger warnings, safe spaces, microaggressions. There's a large, a growing body of evidence against that. Yep. So we, we, we have, it, it, it's a, it's a, explains a kind of mechanism, a social mechanism for how culture is created and how it uh, organizations, particularly academic organizations, become ideologically captured. And we, you've lived it, I've lived it. Right, and, you know, and then the following dynamic emerges, right? You see it, eventually you call it out, right? because what else can you do? And then the point oh, wait, is- Wait, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You see it, you ask about it, <laughs> <laughs> right. You politely ask about it. That doesn't go so well. Yeah, that, that doesn't go well. You and Maybe we share this. Then, then you kind of up it a little bit and say, okay, so first you ask to understand, then you ask for evidence, and that goes even worse. Yes, and in fact, it is a cryptic negotiation, right? The institution is constantly, in myriad ways, asking you, what would it take for you to just shut the fuck up right. about this? And if the answer is, well, no, actually, no. that is... Evidence? That's what would take. Yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to show that there was some reason to think you were right. And right. Sure. Yeah, objective evidence. And, you know, as as they're alluding to at the uh, earlier part of the conversation, the woke deconstructionist ideologies, whatever, whatever label you want to give to them, fall off the, the narrow ledge of being able to make accurate measures of reality because, again, because of ideological possession. Because if they get a data point that points away from what they think reality is, they will do everything to cover it up. Everything. The whole reason I'm here yeah. is to call out bad thinking like that. But then the point is, okay, so you are driven out, which then reinforces the uh, false consensus, right? When those who disagree with it are driven out, what you're left with is the consensus. And I, I forget who um, who described it this way, but it, it is analogous to evaporative cooling, right? right? That effectively what this does is concentrates the group thinking mentality because anybody who shows any right. inclination to challenge it leaves, and that leaves the people who are least likely to challenge it. Yeah, th th that leaves them more confident in their assertions. They calibrate their confidence up in their beliefs, and then they're all bouncing it back. And then the incentivization structure for the uh, promotion and tenure basket for example, and I see what happened uh, with Bruce Gilley when he's published so much stuff in his department chairs, constantly telling him he's not publishing stuff. I mean, it's just—it's crazy. I mean, it's like it's, it's a crazy. It's literally crazy. The whole thing. I mean, you know. Uh, I mean, so okay. So we have we have multiple layers of craziness. We have the people who participate in the systems, and those systems have the imprimatur of social legitimacy through the academy. Uh, 
Portland State, being my former employer. And then you have the kind of the foot soldiers of the ideology. And I think that these individuals share certain characteristics. I wrote, put a tweet on this, and people lost their fucking minds. That's why I'm part of They lost their fucking minds. And it was about poor body habitus of people who. I can't remember the exact quotation, but people who participate in certain worldviews. I mean, you see it with neo-Nazis, right? They, it, their ideology manifests in their bodies. These grossly overweight, or they're just like uber steroided muscular people. So you have a level of people. <laughs> that just uh, might be get engaging in a bit of stereotyping there, sir. What about what about the uh, morphologies of the uh, left? Uh, they're pretty distinctive too. Who have some kind of undiagnosed low-level mental condition who believe that they should be more successful they're not they blame the system they get together with other people who believe this thing and then they go to the academies or they even go to teacher training programs it's like those who can't do teach those who can't teach teach jim woody allen's favorite thing right. like they, they 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 become teachers <clears throat> and so we have a kind of um, Western civilization has seen itself in Portland. We don't need to go anywhere. We've seen ongoing continuous riots of people, and we know who these people are. We know these people are basically dyspeptic malcontents, underaccomplished, raging at the system. Uh, They've told us they can't be governed. They put it on signs, right? And right, and and the the offering of all of this, and that's the other thing that's infu not even infu it used to be infuriating to me, but now it's just frustrating. Is the link between the academy and the spill out to the academy? The link between what people learn and how people get caught in the orbit of the ideology, even if they're not true believers of every tenet or every belief, and then how that gives cover for the radicals. And this that's a very very important point. Again, this is the they're describing the march through the institutions, Gramscian march through the institutes. And it, it's been a very, very effective strategy. I would say it's, it's got a chokehold right now and it's not letting go unless, unless you go through those institutes one by one and you, you just check them for their ideological disposition. And if, if by any metric it falls along that woke dimension, well, then we've seriously got to be thinking about the influence that they have, their friend network, their professional network. All of it needs wrapping up. I would say we're in a situation. We're in a situation where uh, Stephen Quay and the other individual, <laughs> a successful uh, Paul Cottrell model, um, should have been saying there that we're, we're, the system has failed so much. It's been such a dramatic implosion that all all individuals in that institute have a duty to speak up, especially if they've been given privilege position, uh, position PI, professor, etc. And they, they should be held to account. Those positions should be made vacant for uh, people who have a more focused disposition for the work at hand. All right, so here, here's the place where this gets strange for me. I have always been pretty bold about sharing my beliefs, even if I knew that they were out of phase with the room I was in, right? That's always been a positive thing. It's not always positive in the moment, right? It does cause issues, but, um, but the net effect of it has been positive. Increasingly, as the world has gone crazy and embraced sheer nonsense, right? In Portland here, most people, if you ask them what they believed, would you know, check lots and lots of boxes that would cause your and my blood pressure to rise. But here's the funny thing. When I confess my doubts, right, if I'm having an interaction and we're at the place in the interaction where I'm supposed to say the usual things about embracing equity and, yeah, yeah. you know, gender diversity or whatever it is that I'm supposed to say, I never say it. And I always say, well, actually, um, I'm concerned that that is a very wrong perspective. And I explain something of what I see. I don't say very much, but I say enough that somebody can register that I am not party to that set of beliefs. Hmm. 
I essentially never get a challenge. What I get oh. is relief from the person on the other side. And then, yeah, I'm not oh, on board with it. <laughs> I have the sense that what's going on is you have a lot of people who think everybody else is believing this thing and right. they better go along with it. But the slightest indication that they are in the presence of somebody who can handle a different perspective right. and they want to talk about it. They're just itching to do so. So, right. So that's that's the culture of pretending that I talked about. And I think it's breaking the spell. Bennett talks about, Dan Dennett talks about that a little bit. But we've created a culture in which people are pretending to know things they don't know and pretending to believe things that they couldn't possibly believe. Couldn't possibly believe, <laughs> right. Men can become women just by saying so, enough that we should send them to a women's prison even if they're, they're being sent for and a sense of- they're intact, so shall we say. Right, they're intact. And that's how absurd we are. This isn't a one-off. You might say, oh, I was just a little bit, but it's, it's, it's the framework that allowed it to manifest. You, you, you have to get at these institutes. When Broken Vagina O'Connell is going on about, oh, tranny time story hour is a, is a, a big diversion. No, those are the weeds in your garden that you've got to pull. When you start pulling at them, you, you, know, you begin the process of, of, of correcting it. And this is why I want, I want to focus on this particular stream, because they're going to start defining the, pop, the, the problem from this point on. And when they get to it, I'm, I'm going to add what I think they should, or some way of extending that discussion even further, right? In in an analytical sense, so that so that it, it can be weighed, quantified, measured, and if in a sense brought under control. Haven't had bottom surgery. Capable of committing rape. Right. Um, guilty of uh, a, right. a sexual crime. Right. We should still take them at their word. Trans women are women, period. period. And so, no matter what. And it's custom me in every conversation. I have to say this. I'm sure this is, I don't Wait, are we people, declaring pronouns? No, no. Okay. I support the right of anybody over 18 to transition. I support them to be. Why, why does he feel cowed to make that little caveat to the conversation? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for anyone doing whatever it is that they uh, feel they need to do at 18 plus. Right. It, that's that's a distraction, et cetera. It's um, and it's it's the support for uh, a fictive reality that warps biology that requires. Requires, should they decide to uh, f follow all. All the um, procedures requires a massive industry, a massive industry that's got its fingers and tentacles everywhere. Um, I don't think you should be making these caveats. We should be talking about the, the, the societal impact of what it means to allow that because they will always agitate. They'll want to be able to have the, the right to go in and, and piss in the ladies' toilets live fulfilling happy lives etc 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 this is not about that yep no absolutely look if you're really in a situation where you're going to be happier and more fulfilled so transgender agenda is a precursor to transhumanism non-identity and androgenic androids yeah I, I think there's uh there's merit to that discussion to be had and it needs thorough analysis it needs breaking down scientifically saying you know what uh, for whatever reason, my right. body is out of phase with with my mind, and I'm making this transition. I actively support. I 100 actively support. I don't support pretending that that is more common than it is, and going after people too young to have a nuanced right. enough mindset. Which is bravo, bravo, bravo. Rightly feeling. Yeah, like the like the like the Parliament in the UK. Yeah, we need some. Uh, he's right. 
he's right. And when people are right, you should you should support them in, in that statement. It isn't as widespread as they're making out. And you know what? Culturally, culturally, we've been warned across generations. You know what? You might want to keep that particular population under control. Because if you don't, then there's there, there's a an evolutionary cost. You're going to pay. Young person is feeling out of place because civilization isn't working. And then you say, hey, you know why you're feeling out of place? Were you born in the wrong body? Right. right? Abigail Schreier talks about that irreversible damage. It's the clustering effect. Yeah. You see the clustering effect. And the point is, it is creating a artificial momentary sense of relief that is going to be followed for most of these folks with a lifetime of regret. Right. And that's the thing that's so horrific about this. Once this ideology falls into disrepute, irrepute, who in their right mind, you're going to see epic gaslighting. Who, literally nobody is going to say, you know what, I was in favor of mutilating the genitals of children experimentally. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody's gonna... <laughs> but we've got records of it right now, all on Twitter, all recorded. We should be having, uh, we should be devoting a lot of uh, CPU time to picking out who was uh, waving those flags, who was supporting it. Find out who they are. Right. That, that that's that's another step that I think we should be taking. Right. Not not only with respect to these the muffling of of scientists, the the gagging of scientists being able to speak out in the last two and a half years, there needs to be a consequence to those that have had had the power through these tech platforms that have been working hand in glove with agencies that have been captured, public agencies. We were on the other side, all right. I never said that, I never believed that they'd be epic gaslighting. But that gets back to what we talked about before of speaking openly, speaking honestly, and like you said, you know, some people are just not gonna like you. Well, fuck them, you know I mean? You, yeah. Yeah, it's, so also I want- so I like the sentiment there. I'd like everyone to remember that, that, that fuck them. Fuck them. Let's analyze this properly. Let's break it down. Let's get some numbers and we'll start we'll start seeing if as as a culture and society it's worth pandering to. What's the cost? So that's brings us to something. So if I said something publicly or what have you that you didn't like, you would, and now I'm speaking for you, you would tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And if you said something well, that, that first was, of all, I, I would, would tell you privately. You would I would expect you to tell me privately. I wouldn't expect you to go into you know Well, it depends. If you said something that mattered publicly, I would feel entitled to respond publicly because the point is you're having a public discussion about something. It wouldn't be personal. Okay, well wait a second, wait a second. Wouldn't it be better for you to tell me privately and then for me to perhaps reconsider or readjust my beliefs publicly so that it comes from me as opposed to the social It depends. It depends, you know, if you say, um, as many have, that uh, religion is a mental disorder, right. it's a mind virus, right? Which I think I have said something very similar to that. Wouldn't surprise me in light of the fact that that was considered sophisticated in New I have a different view. I, I, I think that there's a, um, there's an, you could put it in evolutionary terms, that it, it confers benefit that is multi-generational rather than the um, instantaneous gratification model the materialistic nihilistic framework so it, it's in and that would imply that would imply that that system has been tested and tested over and over again for it to emerge emerge in a system as complex as the human body brain and mind and and maybe you know for a bit of metaphysics there's a there's a direct contact to the greater metaphysical 
the the numinous the 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 for want of a better the the spiritual component and need that human beings have and we need to we need to treasure that right and and in this instance the uh, we, we could defer to those who have given thought to these metaphysical frameworks of of religion right we can we should be asking them specific and direct questions okay and it could be useful but we should also be asking them pointed questions about the consequences of their particular ideology it's important to be asking muslims about what they think about the verse of the sword and the canonical understanding of the reading of the quran and the mecca and medinan phases and what the injunction is to future generations how to behave how to act how to how to comport yourself and how to um, navigate and survive in other groups what are their what are their rule sets and sh should we should we be putting them under a microscope because i would argue that we may be seeing we may be seeing the fingerprint of a particular ideology in the trans gay like gender that you could you could argue goes towards the sort of transhumanist ideal the transhumanist ideal maps very closely very closely to one atheist circles yeah. um i don't see any reason that i shouldn't say here's why that can't be right and make an argument yeah I, okay so i guess it depends on the claim i, I guess it depends on what the claim is i, I would think so if so let me put it on myself so if you said something that i thought was way out of line well, i would tell you privately no, no, i don't think it is way out of line yeah. to say religion is a mental disorder i think it is factually incorrect it ah. is logically untenable right so saying something yeah, so i guess line, it depends on if, that's, that's if, I, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I think you overstepped yeah. then yes i would say privately look here, here's the problem i have with what you said but if you're taking an analytical position right. publicly i don't see any reason i shouldn't analytically point out why I'm no, right. no, no you may be right and i may be wrong right and and that's the critical thinking piece again i would wow how much how much more would you respect me if i reflected on it thought about it and said you know what i had this opinion Brett or whoever said something to me, I looked it up for myself. I looked up the best available arguments and evidence from people on the other side. I don't have sufficient evidence. I've thought about it. I've changed my mind. Boom. Well, there are two failure modes. So I, I see this as an important part of being a, an honorable uh, interlocutor. In, yeah, interlocutor. One, people do respect you for reversing your position on the basis of evidence or a persuasive argument. They, it, in fact, enhances your credibility with people. Unless you do it too often because what it indicates is that you're not putting in the work on the front end trying to be right. So you're wrong a lot and you reverse your position. That makes you not very credible. So the ideal thing is to do your homework on the front end. Try not to make arguments that are substantially incorrect. And right. when you do make an argument that's substantially incorrect or miss a piece of evidence or misinterpret it, get on the right side of it and do it forthrightly. Explain how you made your error, why you changed your mind. And then the point is that's about the best you can do because, you know, especially on complex topics, nobody is going to avoid being wrong all the time. So isn't it better to have a friend like that? Who, who has those dispositions. That's a disposition. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it better to have to develop and cultivate a friendship with someone who has those dispositions than with someone who does not? I, I would go further. It's I would impossible say not to. Is that you don't want that as much as you may in principle like somebody who can't do that, it's too dangerous and too costly, right? The fact is friendships are about something real, right? Friendships may be pleasant and aesthetically nice when times are good, but the point is a real friend yeah. is somebody who's there when times aren't good and what you can't afford is somebody who is going to talk themselves into uh, a nonsense position because it's convenient to do and, so. And a real friend is also someone, you know what they mean when they're honest with you, they're forthright with you, and they're telling you something because it's they believe, even if they're incorrect, that it's in your interest to hear it. Right. And if right. you surround yourself by people who don't do that, 
not only will you ask yourself, right, so this, not only will you, will you never be fulfilled in your life, you know, those forms of friendship, you know, virtue friendships, if you don't have that, you're really leading a life bereft of, I mean, you might have meaning, but bereft of any potential that you could ultimately have. Well, I think actually the pandemic revealed this in spades, yeah. that there, you know, most people, especially young people who have somehow oddly gotten over the idea that they're supposed to partner with somebody, mm -hmm. right, who sort of see that as unnecessary or antiquated or something, that people got caught without anybody whose opinion they could actually trust. And what they heard was the party line coming from every person. You had no idea why anybody was saying those things, whether they really believed yeah. it, whether they believed okay. it deeply. Very important point. Very, very important point. The atomization had reached a critical point that the public messaging had maximum impact. Maximum impact. And it will reverberate for years. So I think, I think part of that confusion comes from a whole constellation of factors. Uh, less so young people and more so um, older people. The older people, I think it's, we, older people just don't trust our institutions anymore. I've been texting, tweeting about this for years now. It's a, a crisis of legitimacy. Harvard Moss talks about it. We don't trust our institutions because our institutions are not worth our trust. Very, very good point. I agree. I agree with Peter Bogosian 110% in this. We've we've lost those institutes. Now again, you, you can look for multiple reasons, and, and wokeism is just one facet of it. The other is the uh, the weaponized money the, that comes from industry, and the uh, the universities are are moving through their system. Younger people often conflate platform size with something to say. Just because someone has a large platform in whatever i just had a, a podcast with a really nice guy he had a lot of um, um twitter subscribers first time i ever talked to him i really enjoyed our, our conversation tremendously but just because someone has a large platform that doesn't mean anything nothing follows from that other than that they have a large platform right well you know I, I think that there are certain rubrics you can use to figure out um whose critique is worth paying attention to and somebody who has accomplished something their critique means a lot more than right. someone who hasn't or maybe even can't accomplish so, something. Also okay. somebody with predictive power. That second thing, I'm glad I, I, I didn't interrupt you. If you think you're smart, make... That's the important part. You've got to be able to make predictions based on reality, on data, on data. And this, this is why it's so frustrating to me to have at hand the, the materials to be going and extending our um, knowledge base to be pushing a, a line of investigation that if, it, if it's true and holds, it's, it's another, I mean, yeah, it's a chaos-inducing agent, but it reveals something. And if, we're, if, if I'm forced, I'm literally forced because of the inaction of others to put it in the biowarfare paradigm, forced to because i've seen so much so much being done to try to cover it up we just watched we just watched that senate hearing where you watch stephen k quay say we need to get these program under the atomic energy commission's purview frankly that fills me with dread after what i've learned from mark who's satanic live <laughs> Make a prediction. Make a prediction. Make a prediction. Right. Um, the, the first. Now I'm caught up on predictions. What was the first thing you said? Um, somebody who has accomplished something. Yeah. So I've been thinking about Tom Nichols writes about a death of expertise. We have a death of expertise. You mentioned the pandemic. We would have been so much better off in the beginning if people said, "Look, we don't know. 
We really don't know yet. That's literally all they had to say. We're doing our best. We don't know. They did. But the problem is two things happened. One, lots of us said, we don't know. Let's figure out what we can. And the natural process whereby a model of the virus, a model of the epidemic, a model of people's behavior began to emerge. That thing was actually doing beautifully. Mm. But handed down from on high was then a set of prescriptions where we were told what the virus was, where it came from, how it behaved, what we needed to do. And all of it was wrong. Yeah. So, right? so, you know, I'm always amazed when people ask me about this. Like, what do you think about it? I mean, how the fuck do I know? I have no, not only do I have nothing substantive to add. I haven't had a high school, no offense, but I haven't had a high school biology class since I was in high school. And high school is my last yeah. <laughs> direction. Well, I have no, no, I have no, so like, nobody should listen to me. No, wrong. Really, why? Tell me why anybody should listen to me. Well, it's not that they should listen to you as an authority on the biology, but let's just say we were all told that the COVID vaccines were highly effective and that what was necessary in order to control the disease was our compliance, right? Correct. Correct. I I wouldn't use the word compliance, but that we all should be accepted. And I would say in given a high quality vaccine that was safe enough that, yeah, we should all do our part and get it. But anybody and i got it right away i got it for a multitude of reasons i, I told you i have Crohn's disease it's an autoimmune disease so i got it right away and boosted etc right well maybe we'll come back to what happened to you okay. but nonetheless my point would be if you're told if you are assured this vaccine is very effective at preventing people from contracting and transmitting covid and then you find out two months later well it's not very effective at preventing people from contracting uh, or transmitting covid and then it turns out it's not effective at all and it turns out places where essentially everyone took it haven't controlled the virus and now we have a wave of the virus that is oh, uh, yeah, running yeah. rampant through the vaccinated population yeah. and the answer is well i don't know anything about how i'm now not speaking for me i'm speaking for a layperson, but i don't know anything about how viruses function or how vaccines create immunity but i can that's tell me. that what that's i was me, yeah. told yeah. didn't turn out to be right and i can tell that the people who i was told were distributing misinformation turned out to be much more predictive right that is something any Anybody can see. Yeah. So I guess in that situation, and I'm even hesitant. Someone has been shouting into the void. So little about. I don't want to even say the biology, the medical aspect, the epidemiological aspect of it. Um, yeah, I think I think we can say that if we were told something and it turned out to be false, that that's a reason for suspicion. It's probably a reason for suspicion. It, it doesn't mean that the things that those that the people who told us and we're wrong or wrong about everything. It does mean that people, particularly in, this is my inference from that, people in a public setting should be more humble about what they claim to know, particularly when it comes to public health. Sure, but I would say what we have is a very powerful public health apparatus that told us many things. Essentially, all of them turned out to be false. You had a heterodox- That I can't, that I can't speak to. Yeah, well, know, yeah. you can't, but if you looked at it, you could, you know, you, you're as capable as anyone of going back to the history and looking at who said what when, and then seeing what happened, right? And if it is true that the heterodox community of doctors and scientists who were discussing this were much more predictive than the public health authorities and that in fact the public health authorities partnered with the uh, social media platforms and demonized the heterodox scientists and doctors and in fact um, ruthlessly stigmatized them which goes on to this day then that would tell you something yeah it's odd that the people who had less predictive power were in a position to destroy the careers of people use it so you have to yeah so what you'd have to do correct what you have to do is you have to break down those claims and see which was true and which was false absolutely critical question right well here's the problem nobody's doing that but somebody should right what this really requires is a top-notch old-school journalist to go back and say well we're now years in. Let's figure out who was right and let's figure out what happened to them. Right. I, I hope that happens. That would seem to me to be most most reasonable. Not yeah. only most reasonable, but incredibly pressing. Yeah. Neil Ferguson writes about that in Doom, this idea that you you, you know, how do we prevent, prevent the next pandemic? You know, what do we do? What kind of things should we be thinking about? What kind of infrastructure should we have? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, let's put it this way. This, we are not brand new to the question of, you know, how to figure out what's true. Right. Correct. There are thousands of years of track record on uh, sorting out Correct. claims and figuring Correct. out what's accurate. Uh, so I'm going to use that as a segue into sure. something that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about figuring out what's true, I don't know how much you listen to NPR. 
NPR, NPR. Well, here, let me tell you a little something. I don't know if anybody can yeah, see Yeah, I can see your shirt my, there. Uh, yeah. I stopped, I stopped uh, donating to NPR. Ask me why. Yeah. So and the equivalent would be the BBC in the UK. And I say, fuck the BBC. Don't pay that license. They're not allowed in your house. Tell them to get fucked. No right of implied access slapped on the door and sent to them in the post when they send you those aggressive letters. Tell them bollocks. Here's my, my history. I used to be, uh, as a you know, as a graduate student, let's mm. say, I was an NPR addict. Enough so All that when I down. when I went to Panama to do my uh, field work, yeah. I was there for 18 months. Yeah. I brought a shortwave radio with me because sitting uh -huh. there in the canal zone, I was able to pick up NPR and I listened every day. Uh -huh. Right, so I was definitely on board with NPR. And you know, Heather and I look at each other sometimes now and we say. Was it this crazy then? No, I really don't. Absolutely think so. not. I think Unquestionably not. Yeah. So what's happened to it has been ideologically captured. Correct. It has become uh, an ironic uh, inversion of itself. Yeah, it's, it is really. And for this, so our show with Matt Thornton, our mutual friends, all things reconsidered. He's by the way. That thank you. I, I came up with that in the shower. Uh, he, he is basically. He's not only my jujitsu teacher, but when you talked about a friendship of virtue, he's someone with whom I have a friendship of virtue. Um, so we're doing a show, all things reconsidered, and we. So, so the, the show, it's a five segment show. It's a five episode show of multiple segments. So the first segment, almost everybody came up with this idea because. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he said, yeah. And I was telling him I had this idea for a show about NPR. And he said, you know, I stopped listening to NPR when, and I realized, wow, I bet you so many people have stories of when they stopped listening to NPR. So I just started asking stories and we put it on Twitter. Hey, do you have a story? And we just got inundated with, I stopped listening to NPR when. So, uh, and if you haven't listened, I've listened to hundreds, if not a thousand hours of NPR pr preparation for this. And I can tell you what I learned in a minute. But anyway, so we do these, I stopped listening to NPR when, and then we have episodes and Matt and I analyze those episodes. And then we go into, we have a reverse pledge drive. You know, I pledge not to do donate money to NPR. <laughs> so unlike the Republicans who want NPR defunded, I don't want NPR defunded. I think it's a terrible idea. I want a station, because I used to listen to NPR. I used to, not as fanatically as you, I loved NPR. I loved, you know, car talk was the only thing I didn't like now. Really? Yeah, 10,000. the only person. Yeah, we'll get like 10,000 emails. You didn't like car talk, you bastard. Um, but I just skip this section. Um, we get it about woke media, etc., and its infiltration and its desire to reflect the uh, the dreams of the the, the the diversity mongers. Right? They they have to have a, their imprint on what they think society is supposed to look like. That looks warped, especially especially in countries that ha are not New World countries. Where there is a longer, longer history, right, and their social and cultural patterns are more, um, hmm. well, they, they they've just existed longer in time than than the the American experiment. Is wokeism an existential threat? I think we should get to this. Yeah, I, I a little self-conscious about saying this, but I think that, that uh, my former um, um, co-author and I were the first people to come up with that idea of wokeism as religion in 2014, an essay we published in All Think, uh, Privilege is the Original Sin. We talked about this as, as a new religion. But you see, so, so this is the explanatory mechanism for why media, literally every institution you can think of has been captured. Well, it's the mechanism by which it has contagiously spread. Yes, yeah. metastasize is actually the exact right yeah. term. It's not contagion. It's, yeah. it's metastasized across the body. Um, I use that term a lot. A lot, and the uh, the <laughs> that dangerous uh, research, the Dirk research of concern, uh, has metastasized through the institutes and been funded with, uh, like I say, obscene amounts of money and handled by uh, uh, lickspittle, uh, um, cretins that shouldn't be in the job. Or, or, or we've given too much, too much credence and influence to people.
you know, Vincent Mancigello with his 100,000 subscriber channel. <laughs> we know there's a lot wrong there. Politic. And frankly, this is uh, maybe we will talk a little bit about uh, our mutual friend, James Lindsay. Mm. Um, but this is why I have a hard time knowing what to think about where he is, which is mm. that that metastasis is, as far as I can tell, and you tell me if you see it differently, it is capable of destroying the West. And it is not a terrible Correct. stretch to imagine that it jeopardizes our species in so doing. Right? Yep. The, 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 yep. Yep. Bravo. Bravo for these two gentlemen thinking in those terms. You're in an existential threat right now. Right now, it's unfolding in front of you with, with next generation weaponry that we're only beginning to get a handle on. There's the existential threat. And we need every scrap of data that we can get. Objective measures, not just opinions. Yeah, the world is depending on the West to succeed. Oh, I see. I mean, by species, I don't think it's a species-threatening problem. I think that there are too many prophylactics in place in other countries to prevent that. From, well, from I, don't, I don't know how you could think that, frankly, because the problem is there are too many industrial processes on which we collectively depend. That if we suddenly decide that you know anybody who holds you know, anybody who subscribes to wrong think is not entitled to work, yeah, that okay. those things will collapse. And yeah, I, I know. I don't believe that. That's Tom Friedman's idea of the flat earth. I, I don't think that that's true. What is the idea that you know, like that's why they're in theory of the golden archers for example no two countries have, have ever had mcdonald's have gone to war with themselves into yugoslavia there's something about trade relations yeah i'm not that, making that argument, oh, what argument are you making? i'm making the argument that there are technological processes on which we depend that require smart people to operate them oh, okay. if you drive all the smart people out because they can't stand being forced to say things they know are false yeah. that those systems will come apart and when they do it is not just simply the collapse of western nations but it is those technological processes that we are maintaining and it is not, I'm not saying- Like what, swift banking systems? Or what are you talking about? Or how about the nuclear agriculture? reactors? Okay. Right, the nuclear reactors require us to maintain vigilance, right? We, we okay. have a problem so, that lasts for tens of thousands, arguably hundreds of thousands of years that we have set in motion, and we don't have a mechanism for getting stupid people to maintain it. Okay, so let, let me throw this out to you. <laughs> I can't believe stupid people. Yeah. Half wits. Half. Mike Donio's. I'm going to admit this on your podcast, but i admit this. When, when we first had this idea of, of um, wokeism as a religion, we tossed around the idea of um, infecting entire cultures with enemies of the United States, North right. Korea, Iran. I wouldn't put China as an enemy. Oh, but you, you, you were thinking of using it as an offensive weapon? Yeah, but we didn't know how to deploy it, right? We just didn't know how to deploy <laughs> it. Somebody social it. justice. Yeah, they did. They did. They did beat us to it. It spread on its own. I, well, well, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know how we rule out that this, the fact that we are attacking everything that works, yeah. that we are uninventing all of the things on which the West is based, Correct. looks to me beyond what a pathology right. would so do. So let's, I want you to repeat that. Mm, starting to describe the problem, define the problem systematic subversion of everything that is in the West. That's a good place to be starting and a good place to be trying to probe all the systems that we think might be playing a part in, in that subversion. And it, it would be easy to get distracted by the, the woke argument but it goes far, far deeper than that, far, far longer back in time. And at this point, at this point, they're getting very close to the third rail. Very, very close. Yeah, because that's so important. We are, what did you say, uninventing? We are uninventing all of yes. the mechanisms yes. on which the West is based. That is exactly the issue. 
Yep. Exactly. Right. But the point the point that I would make is if we were neglecting the things that allow the West to work, I could say, okay, that's folly. The fact that we are actively going after everything that works suggests enemy action. Now, I don't know oh, that it's our enemy. Okay, so Faisal Amutar, uh, one very, very, very close friend of mine, he told me that enemy action. Starting to get it. Starting to get it. Inching closer. Bravo, Brett. The Chinese government and the Russians, I think he told me this last year, I didn't text him and ask him at the end of the podcast, we put it in the YouTube description if you want, in uh, Qatar and Oman, etc., have English language stations that push BLM, CRT, etc., to undermine the foundations of our society. I mean, it's brilliant. You can do it without throwing a bomb. You don't need a bunch like the old Star Trek episode where the people walk into the... Right. Yeah. Look, it's, um, people do not understand that culture is as biological as genes. Okay? Right. We see culture. Yes. Now we're now we're starting to get somewhere. You have you have to understand the the complex behaviors that we're seeing are part of biology. It's all linked. And again, you know, I can't think of a more basic moniker than uh, you have to think unified field theories. And the biology is part of it and an expression of it. And how how it interfaces with space time and its emergence. Okay, it's dependent on on how many many individual minds are, are working towards and collectively working towards what they think is an ideal and if they're if they're saddled with an ideological predisposition a possession that subverts the very fabric and nature of our reality then we're, we're heading in a terrible terrible direction the decision making is next to useless. It's a it's a pantomime. And like I say, I, at the beginning, and I was a, a bit cross, just because yeah, again, I, it pisses me off when I get channels taken for for nothing when I haven't done anything wrong. Right? It's just mass flagging by people that don't like what I'm doing. Um, but literally, machines have taken over a lot of the decision making now as, as the steps towards war have, have lit up. You're on DEFCON 2, 1.5. As an alternative to biology, but in fact, culture is biology. And so the, the selfish gene was great for that. Well, the selfish gene was not great. It was the it was the beginning of our ability to rigorously understand that fact. But it that's where I'm going with that. Yes, but continue your so, thought. Though. So here, here's the problem. I want to give Dawkins his full due here because I think that the selfish gene is the thing that opens the door to our rigorously understanding culture. Mm. But it makes an error, a serious one, mm. but an error that I can't fault Dawkins for making. Anybody who made as big a contribution as he did would be liable to make an error somewhere. He made one. And it has not been corrected. And as a result, we have the wrong understanding of culture. And the error mm. is that Dawkins says culture is a new primeval soup, right? That this is a new evolutionary tree. He's not right about that. Uh, I've been a while since I read the book, but you, you're saying that. So, I mean, if you look at it with the, the what is the advent of grain 10,000 years ago? And if you couple that with the advent of language, that would certainly be new in terms of the broader evolutionary landscape. Okay. But can we agree that the ability to cultivate food creates an opportunity to produce more people who carry genes, right? Correct. So the point is, that's physiological enough. Yeah. The point is, when, when Dawkins founds the idea of memes and memetic evolution, yeah. right, he has exactly the right idea, but he understands it as independent from genes. And therefore, he imagines that a bunch of stuff which is in conflict with the genes oh, evolves there. You know, you're going to make, I'm just going to possibly preempt what you're going to say, you're going to make the argument that biological evolution has certain built-in ad that privileging or promoting certain cultural practices increases the likelihood that the species will continue and thus there's some covariance between 
genetics and cultural output. You're working way too hard. Oh, okay. You're working way too hard. Oh. What I'm saying is that cultural evolution yeah. is a means to an end, right? Okay. Genes create a cultural mind. They create a brain that can be inhabited by culture to solve a problem that the genes can't solve directly. In the same way, your DNA cannot cannot fly, but DNA can make wings that allow a bird to fly. And so my point is, yeah. culture evolved to serve a genetic purpose. I don't like the fact that it did, culture. but it did. So what do you mean by a cultural mind? A, if you, if you were to pull a garter snake from your garden okay. and you were to lecture it on epistemology, <laughs> it would not work, right? I'll the fact animal, check that is true. Yeah, okay. the animal does not have a mind that can take on that kind of information and alter its behavior on its basis, okay? okay? Likewise, a tree, an insect. There are very few creatures that have the capacity to alter their way of thinking as after they are uh, born. In other okay. words, they're not genetically pre-programmed in a way that is productive, okay? okay? Now, learning obviously exists, but the point is, learning is not the same thing as culture because culture is the transmission between individuals of useful information. Mm. Now, the question is, is that, as Dawkins presents it in The Selfish Gene, yeah. chapter 11, yeah. is that a new evolutionary environment, the same way if I programmed a new biological environment inside a computer, we could watch things evolve in there, you know, a game of life, like, right? Is it a new environment? Yeah. Or is it the genes doing something that they cannot do directly in an indirect form? Why would you think the latter? because it can't be otherwise. Okay, imagine, look, everything has a cost. The cost of religious belief yeah. is through the roof with yeah. respect to the genes perspective, right? Imagine a book full of things you're not allowed to do. Genetically productive stuff. You're not allowed to rape. You're not allowed to steal. You're not allowed to murder. You're not allowed to lie, right? Those are a lot of potentially valuable strategies that have been taken off the table by something that lives in culture, okay. right? The only way that the genes would not shut that shit down yeah. is if that stuff was more than paying for all of the costs with benefits in the genes, the genes I view, right? In other words, yeah, that doesn't that assume that that's the, um, isn't that like a monolithic lens to view the problem? I mean, it, it could be, it could be that, um, that those, those, oh, you're saying that they're, you're not saying they're culturally adaptive then. No, I'm saying they're culturally adaptive, but culturally adaptive is not it's adaptive saying, in cultural terms. You're right. saying in biological terms. I'm saying, you're right. I'm saying the genes are in the drivers. So why can't, why couldn't those things be a byproduct like the moral mind? Why couldn't that be a byproduct of an evolutionary? They're too useful. It's not a byproduct, right? You, no, but you, but it could, it could be an so evolutionary said, accident. Right. And we can make the same argument about a wing or an eye. And the point is that's it's not a very Stephen Jay Gould. But, yeah, 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 but Stephen yeah. Jay Gould is wrong. Yeah, that's okay. a consensus from my understanding. Yeah. I mean, the, it's just logically a feeble argument, right? The idea that we don't know that a wing is an adaptation is a pretty weak argument. We can establish that it's an adaptation by virtue of the fact that it is expensive and it doesn't go yeah, away. Yeah, that's over also the creationist time. argument that you don't have half an eye, etc. Well, you know, but the bracket that. Yeah, ahead. I mean, you know, nobody does a better job with that argument than Dawkins, right? right? Dawkins does a brilliant job of cataloging all of the partial eyes that exist in nature, and you know, the creationists are, are of course wrong. My point is that Dawkins was absolutely right and revolutionary in what he said, but he has fallen short of maximizing the return on what he spotted. Okay, and we started talking about this because we were talking about woke stuff. Right. And so the question is, wokeism. You need to start steering around to existential threats. What ideology would be promoting the idea of... Uh, trans. Let's say that like trans human, transhuman direction of travel. In, in cultural terms and evolutionary terms, what particular ideology has We're that? We're allowed what? to believe that there are. Wokeism is an existential Enemies of the United States, North right. Korea. Are... The things that allow the West to work, I could say, okay, that's folly. The fact that we are actively going after everything that works suggests enemy action mind. They create a brain that can be inhabited by culture to solve a problem.
the cost of religious belief yeah. is through the roof with yeah. respect to the genes in cultural terms. They're saying in biological terms. I'm saying, You're right. I'm saying the genes are in the driver's seat. So why, can't, why couldn't those things be a byproduct like the moral? Wokeism is destructive of the fabric of the West. Un unquestionably. And far less risky. In fact, it's even intentionally disruptive. Well, that's what I'm arguing. Right. I, I'm not arguing that I know this to be true, but I'm arguing, well, I'm arguing that I know that to be true. But we would be crazy not to wonder. There are, look, there are a lot of people. Not to wonder why. Finish the sentence. Not to wonder why. We are not allowed. What? We are not allowed to believe that. Meeting wow. and say, look, oh, you're talking about the, ge the genesis beyond. Why wouldn't it let me play? No, there's no question that they no, are. I mean, no, no, no. So uh, is wokeism seeded by foreign entities? Wokeism is destructive of the fabric of the West. Un unquestionably. And far less risky. In fact, it's even. I mean, I, I just wonder if we're not like, allowed to believe that there are uh, two sexes and that, you know, genders are, right. they're sorry, sorry for these destructive of the fabric of the West Un unquestionably and far less. In, risky. in fact, it's even intentionally disruptive. Well, that's what I'm arguing. Right. I, I'm not arguing that I know this to be true, but I'm arguing, well, I'm arguing that I know that to be true. But we would be crazy. Something that's intentionally disruptive and an existential threat to the West. Good thinking. Let's keep these hypotheses on the table until until we know that they're wrong, they're wrong, or God forbid that they're right, and we have to take appropriate actions. Now, the question, the question that's going to arise here, or as a product of this discussion, is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Not to wonder. There, look, there are a lot of people. Not to wonder what. Finish the sentence. Not to wonder what. If our antagonists in the world, our competitors. We're not seeding this into our culture. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. That's no. That's what. There's no question that they no, are. I mean, no, 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 no. There is a question. There is a question. Well, I've seen some of the shows, right. Look, the BLM stuff coming out. But go ahead. Um, if the Bolsheviks introduce communism, mm -hmm. right? And I think, oh, that's gonna that's gonna mess up the Russians, and the, the Russians are my competitors, so I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna add some communist propaganda. That's not me taking down Russia. Correct. Right. That's me amplifying. Correct. The question is, did this woke revolution come from somewhere? Did somebody have a meeting and say, look? Oh, you're talking about the gen the genesis beyond Foucault, Derrida, Leotard. You're talking about. The well, we can go. We can go back to that Bolshevism, and with Bolshevism, we can go back a couple of other steps to Marx. And when you start digging into Marx, you find you find the genesis of this ideology, which comes, which is a, a offshoot of uh, kibbutzism, communal, communal life, and a working in that framework that's driven by r religious ideology. I would say. It, it, it's got its roots in a specific religious viewpoint. And it's, it's wrapped up and expressed in, at every critical juncture in time. So we can move forward to the Bolsheviks. We need to find that speech from Putin. And again, oh, Papi Putin come to save us. But he, he gave a speech a little while ago where he describes what Bolshevism did to Russia. All, all the thought crime, all the uh, dis disruption and warping of basic biology. He, ex he, ex he eloquently lays out what happened to Russia over those years and how the same thing is happening in the West right now. 
the way that was i'm saying i don't want to assume that i know why the west is deliberately it would seem tearing apart every functional structure and replacing it with a fairy tale right but i don't even think they're replacing it that's way too much what are they replacing it with chess i mean what are they replacing that's a fairy tale that people I, I, that I, I people just don't can, be in one, but okay, I guess no, I'll give it to you. The idea that you can get rid of the police and civilization will get better <laughs> is a fairy tale. It's bullshit, as fairy tales tend to be. So my point is, look, I don't know if wokeism is organic in its inception, yeah. and some enemy said, hey, look at this. If we can get the West to embrace this stuff, we won't have to fire a shot. Yeah. That's possible. Or yeah. it's possible that it came from some enemy to begin with. I don't know. Or maybe it's no, not. If it came from an enemy to begin with, okay, like we have systematically dissected jihadism over the last couple of decades, I think it imperative upon us to look at the other Abrahamic faiths, one in particular, that has a known subversive element in it that we can see the fingerprints of in the, um, the emergent behaviors. The, the Jewish idea of Shekinah, right, this, this androgynous androgynous godhead that they that they're aiming for and in 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 that in that ideology i would make the argument that from it sprouts the the the, the especially the trans agenda and the the, <laughs> the poofs in particular because they're, they're, that that's always a way to subversion Right, it's always kept in the dark, but it's secret, and and now it's allowed. It's being allowed to flower because now it's causing. It is enemy action against the United States, and you must. I think it's critical to understand that metaphysics right now, the same way that we understood the the injunctions of the Quran, because the simple fact is. There are those people are in multiple key positions within the United States, and this this is the third rail, and they get really really close to it, and they're 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 defining the questions that we should be asking, but what is the cultural input that's brought us to this point? If if we're using evolutionary arguments, and there's always competitions between uh, organisms within a system such that they're trying to find their niche. And those dynamics exist within the cultural sphere. And one has a better way of propagating information and maintaining coherence over longer generations. That they would stand there and, and support this, this dismantling of Western institutions. Because inherently, they're not from the West. Yeah, I don't. That it's a, that yeah. it's a, it's I mean, a, it's, look, yeah, it's how possible. I, it's always possible. I know it's being funded by, I don't want to go so far as to say enemy regimes, but I guess in the case of, of Russia, it is an enemy regime. We know. You want to name Russia? <laughs> ha! Is it talk, talk about uh, taking a swing and a miss. Taking a swing and a miss. What? Where, where does this idea of, of multiple genders exist? Where's that stupid... <laughs> girl singing the song uh, tum tums <laughs> and how it's to be celebrated oh fuck you youtube we are not allowed
We are not allowed. That this is being funded right now. I don't know in terms of your comment about the genesis. I don't really know. I mean, it's, an, it's a built-in divisive, pitting people, genders against each other, pitting races against so each other. Civilization will get better is a fairy tale. It's bullshit, as fairy tales tend to be. So my point is, look, I don't know if wokeism is organic in its inception. Yeah. And some enemy said, hey, look at this. If we can get the West to embrace this stuff, we won't have to fire a shot. Yeah. That's possible. Or yeah. it's possible that it came from some enemy to begin with. I don't know. Or maybe it's no, possible. I, yeah, I don't. That it's a, that yeah. it's an, I mean, it's, it's a, look, yeah, it's how possible. I, it's always possible. I know it's being funded by, I don't want to go so far as to say enemy regimes, but I guess in the case of, of Russia, it is an enemy regime. We know that this is being funded right now. I don't know in terms of your comment about the genesis. I don't really know. I mean, it, it's, an, it's a built-in divisive pitting people genders against each other, pitting races against so each other. Here, here's the unfortunate problem, yeah. okay? Religion is not a mind virus. It's an adaptation, okay? Yeah, you gave a great lecture on my class about that. So I don't think this is logically in doubt. I think it's very difficult for people to swallow because they for a long time have been um, rewarded for simply pointing out the folly of much of the analytical content surrounding yeah. religion. But that's not really the point. What makes it an adaptation is the behavioral prescriptions. And those are not modern. Those are behavioral prescriptions for a world we don't live in anymore. But nonetheless, the point is the term mind virus has been polluted by the new atheists using it incorrectly for things to- I, I would agree on that. However, wokeism is a mind virus, right? It will not function as an adaptation. What will happen to it over time? Just well, totally, total destruction. It will self-destruct. It has to. It, it, it it has, nothing else is possible yeah. because it has no analytical content. Why is it being so fucking gay? Do I have to do like a signed-in session? We are not allowed. We are not allowed. Um, not allowed to. This, this is because Dark Horse, whatever, have monetized everything. There's all hidden stops and adverts in this, and my ad blocker is uh, probably um, messing with it. But let's let's try and get it. In. But I, I hope people can see where it is that I'm going, and it's not. I'm not doing this from a. We are not allowed to believe that there are... Uh... I'm not doing this from the... Oh, it's just... The Jew! Um, every ideology should be examined to the nth degree. And... I w again, the premise being... <laughs> speak to that Bjorkness fellow. Um, he he outlines uh, this uh, this push towards the distortion of genders and where it comes from. There's a strong there's a strong ideological footprint. Wokeism is a mind virus, right? It will not function as an adaptation. What will happen to it over time? Just well, totally total destruction. It will self destruct. It has to. It it, it nothing has, else is possible because yeah. it has no analytical content. Yeah, not, not only that. So, so let's delve into that if you don't mind. So sure. I am positive that this is a. I don't know when the expiration date is. Every time I so so I've been screaming about this since two thousand twelve. Yeah. Um, it's it, frankly it's very frustrating to me i don't know when the expiration date is um i see how quickly it's go so so i used to think okay well it's in philosophy now equity 
you know, hiring people just because they have certain immutable physical characteristics. As Thomas Sewell said, if you want diversity, then put some Republicans in the sociology department. Um, so I've watched this. I've watched this this mind mind virus, yep. and I used to think, okay, well, they they just think philosophy is not important, and then it went from that to medicine. It went for I think it was American Airlines has diversity requirements among pilots, like pilots. Holy shit! Um, and clearly, nobody's going to say that those things aren't important. Even if it won, it would lose. Correct. Right? Because in the end, that's absolutely that's a great point. If yeah. if if the coalition of the woke won all the power and had the ability to architect the world that it claims it wants, we want Moshiach. It does not have enough competence to make anything work. Mm. But even more troubling, as Peterson's talked about that, yeah, is the fact that the various different constituents of the coalition would destroy each other. Right, so it's that's the so plan. No that's the plan. There's no there there. Mm. Right, so we know that. Yes, who crawls out the rubble? Then. The only question is: Are we going to let it go to fruition, or are we going to stop it before it destroys everything in its path, which is what it's doing? And that's where we are. Right, those of us who both understand the problem with it and are willing to say it out loud. And willing to reap the consequences of that. Right. And, you know, they're arbitrary. The thing obviously detests us and, you know, lost, for yeah, understandable lost, lost friendship is a lost relationships is a big part of that. Yeah. Um, but that I mean, that process is worse than we know. Yeah. I mean, at the risk of uh, making things difficult for us to parse, what I saw happen with standard wokeness happened with covid too mm. i saw covid wokeness and i and frankly i still see it right our entire medical establishment is pretending to know things that not only does it not know but that aren't true and i don't know what you do when suddenly all of your doctors are persuaded of fiction are effectively embracing uh, a cult and you know health is in the balance i don't know what you do but that's where we are and that suggests something even more frightening which is that the disconnect between um the minds of intelligent people and reason is potentially independent of topic yeah that's what I think we came up with. That's the substitution hypothesis that people just have to believe something. And then the brain is the hardware and the content is just plugged in. Well, I don't think that that's generally true, but I think that the dysfunction that we are seeing is happening across domains. And, oh, that's so yeah. and, and the thing that spooks me the most yeah. is that some of the people who I thought were most eloquent in spelling out what was wrong with the original version of wokeness missed the boat on COVID. I don't know what to oh, do yeah. with that. People who had the immunity to woke thinking when the topic was, you know, race and gender yeah. didn't have what so, it took when it came so to I feel viruses. That, I feel the same way about the new atheist and the skeptical movement. The same people who had the tools. And it, it really is true that the tools are the same. You know, what is your evidence? How do you weigh the evidence? What is the argument against it? Make it you can do, you know, what Tim Van Gelder does, an argument mapping or have you. The tools are the same, but 
the the tremendous irony is that from the skeptical movement and the atheist movement emerged new movements of people who claim to be skeptics and atheists who themselves were the most dogmatic religious people you would ever meet. Right. Like foot soldiers of these movements that are not supposed to have foot soldiers. Yes. And then, you, you know, I, I would. Pl yeah. The, the, the zombie hordes of the ideologically possessed. They're in front of you and being driven again. Where is that ideology come coming from? And I've got a good candidate to start with. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but, but can we have the discussion, please? Can we hear what they have to say? Uh, some, some people who are experts in, in, in their language. Point this out to folks. And I, I will say a difference is unlike traditional religious people who say, yes, I'm religious. Woke people won't say they're religious. They don't, they haven't. It hasn't, um, that idea hasn't become, I don't know if acceptable or understood or mainstream. I don't know what the word is, but they won't say, yes, I'm religious. I'm, I'm, I'm the woke religion or well, the critical social justice religion. I mean, in fact, what they do is they claim the mantle of science, which is upside down and backwards. That's, yeah. You know, um, and right. so I, I find that we are in the place that we always end up when people yeah. Uh, of, yeah. of your and my mindset on this get together, which is that we talk ourselves blue in the face, trying to say, look, this is not difficult to understand. No, it's What's not it, difficult it's, to understand at all. It's dangerous. It's, it's frightening. Right. But it's not hard to see it. The problem is that despite the fact that it's not hard to see it, most do not. C correct. I would argue because of uh, political correctness. You don't want to question them. You don't want to question their ideology. You don't want it to be investigated at West Point. You don't want experts on it. You don't want to have it as part of the study of war. And therein lies the problem. And, you know, the U.S. could do an amazing amount very, very quickly. Just stop dual nationality. Hand over those passports. Hand over those passports to other countries, please. If you're, Especially if you've got political influence. Put them on the table. We're cutting them up. They don't exist anymore. That, that would go a long way to restoring some trust. Uh, Paul, Paul Bogosian. Most do not, and most are, not only do most people not, you know, we went around the country and then I got to go for dinner pretty soon. We, we, we went around the country and we did these reverse Q&As and it's on my YouTube channel. So what do you mean reverse Q&A? Well, instead of uh, the students asking the professor questions and the professor answering, I asked students questions and they answered and I asked a street epistemology, asking people if their confidence in their belief is justified. And we had like a Likert, we had a Likert scale, you know, strongly agree, agree, neutral, but what have you. They started on the neutral. I'd ask them a question. They'd go to one side and then I'd ask them a question and encourage them to move. That's part of the solution to this. Encourage people. That's the disposition again. Changing your mind is a moral virtue particularly if it's on the basis of reason and evidence. So you change your mind, that's a good thing. You should be rewarded for that. And among the things that I've learned from that is that so many of these young people, they're just, it's not that they're completely beholden to it, but that they accept basic premises of 
the tenets of critical social justice without ever giving it a thought, without even knowing what certain terms mean. They just accept it or they just they just buy into it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's faith. Yeah, it's a type of faith. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a type of faith absent metaphysics. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think they got really, really close to building the, the oh, you could say the epistemological framework needed to start to address this capture of the institutes. How come? How come they keep spitting out the same type of, of robots, zombies? And again, it's not just the institutes, it's everything, it's everything that orbits around them. It, it's a very, very permissive mess that, that seeped into corporations. Corporations and government are, are, are converging onto this manifestation, perhaps, of the Shekinah archetype. The people are pushing towards the Shekinah archetype, and they will do anything, anything to get us there. To the point where you're on the precipice of global war. That's how dangerous a situation you're in right now. And this this really comes down to America, man. I, you know, you, of course, stick to your principles, but um, you should be getting these subversive networks in your institutes under control. <laughs> if you don't, you're fucked. We're all fucked. We're all fucked. The, the U.S. needs to give a uh, an adroit lesson in how to deal with again a ideology that's had millennia of tuning to engage in subversion with specific goals and eschatology. They have a specific eschatology that they're driving towards and they don't care the fallout that they cause in the process. Now, again, um, you probably need a Brett Weinstein to be in there asking the questions about it. But can he, is he capable of going that step further and saying, well, you know, we want to get, um, want to get some rabbis on the stage, uh, on the what do you call it when you go in court? On the stand. What 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 are these books saying? But you know, could you explain that to us in simple English, uh, without uh, without engaging in, in a excuse making exercise? And we'll be live streaming from the Gulag. We're already in the Gulag. Again, you know, I've I've pleaded with people like we're in such a desperate situation. Every bit of data counts right now. Okay, and I know someone tried to donate a hundred dollars and five hundred dollars. That would go a massive way for me. I could think I could do a, a day's work in the lab. A day's work in the lab. If it, 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 I can see it didn't go through, please contact me. Please contact me and help me get. Get this funding going. Get this funding going, so we've got all the data to hand as we be as we begin the physically, mentally, and spiritually tough struggle of redressing balances. 
where we can see that it that the behavior they're producing is maladaptive to the point where it would be coming for your children to the point where they'd be creating warfare that just children are just one of the collateral damage Uh, they're going after Kev like they did with Handsome Truth. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, I, I don't think it's just, just that one component which I've been focusing on. It's one place to start. And if you if you make a point of starting there, what it does is it signals to everyone, oh, there is no special protected groups now. Every, everything is going to come under, under perfume. We're going to be analysing it. What you'll get is a lame congressional meeting with someone like Stephen Quay and talking about the uh, line two of uh, the subway system in, in Wuhan, etc. And um, that that has long gone. Right. Like I say, we could be on the precipice of um, real, real uh, YTL isn't working. Yeah, I know we're down. And again, you know, that's all part of having support necessary to pay for this infrastructure. When I tell you we're on like a weekly budget to keep everything running smoothly, I'm not I'm not joking to you. These are these are literal pleas. And you either want to get to the bottom of the science or you don't. And it's in my hands right now. Right now to be able to do it. They're promoting cannibalism. Yeah, look, you're seeing all sorts of retrograde perversions of human behavior that we recognize as being inherently wrong. <laughs> Lab cultured meat of your favorite superstar. That's what they're doing now. If, if you can't see that it's time to pump the brakes just a little bit, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, Aurora Storm, you can contact me, right? If you want to send me support, right? And the, the tip jar is not work, working to you. Write to me at this email address. Write to me at that email address and I will arrange for you to be able to make a, a bank transfer. And then and then we can start moving. We can operate more smoothly. But we're not. We're bumping along. We're bumping along because of lack of resources. And we, we, we are literally tip of the spear at this. And uh, uh, what? People find the salty language I've put in? Well, okay, they're, they're, they're ideologically possessed by wokeism. Um, Jay, uh, email me. Email me. There's the email. Please. Please. Because, like I say, we're down to probably hours, days and weeks, right? You've just watched the US go and provoke China. Well, that, that's going to cause even more chaos. They might want the chaos to sort of rub out the, the, the nightmare of the last two and a half years so people forget about it. But I, I don't think we can.
And like I say, them taking my PayPal is a very, very, you know, specific move to shut me down. To not do scientific research. To choke me off. Because they're trying to silence what comes out. They're, it means they're afraid of it. It means I'm being effective. And with that, I think I'm finished. I've got some Bimbo Bailey stuff to do later. Um... And yeah, like I say, thank you for listening. Uh, it was a interesting. It was a good stream. Uh, I've got lots and lots of other stuff to cover, um, and I'll be on streaming later. Um, oh, let me just check. Sufyan, Sufyan, Sufyan just hit us for a day's worth in the lab. Thank you, Sufyan. That means I can push forward, I can progress. I'll, 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 if, if the person who made the tried to make the five hundred dollar donation, that's two two days in the lab. I can do that, right? I can make I can make a lot happen in in the time that we're waiting for the the next steps in these experiments. Sequencing, sequencing, and seeing what we get, and then and then we're on the precipice of doing it in expression systems to find out what it does. Um, so WTYL is working, um, for some, if your credit card is not working on it, please, please contact me. I'll get, I'll give you a direct bank account. You can make a bank transfer. And then, and then, and then, you know, I've got to, like I say, I'm on a razor wire about what it, what it is I can and can't do financially. And yeah, with that, I will just remind everyone, um, bookmark McCann Dojo, right? Because that's, that's the one that will stay most active. There is cryptocurrency in there. You can send, send me, who, who are all these people that are sitting on a hundred Bitcoins? Break one off, break one off and, and support scientific research that will that will help humanity, will help the globe. Do that. Um, yeah, email me the email. The email is here again. If you want to if you want to try, if you have any of the processing on the home page doesn't work for you. Please um, email me, email me. I'll make sure and I'll make sure your donation goes. And if if you're interested in some sort of NFT, right, I thought about we can do um, memes. I'll print them off, full color meme, uh, laminated, and I'll sign it for you and post it to you. And then you've got a bit of uh, original Samizdat from the, from the Third World War or the, the next generation global war. And just, you know, and I'll do that for Patreons anyway. If Patreon wants that, please let me know and I'll try and do it. I'll, I'll try and get the printer working. And um, I'm waiting for ink actually. But the um, there are ways to do this, okay? And like I say, I, I, I think the NFT thing could be a, a nice thing. You know, there is great artwork in there. And I think the people who make the memes would like to think that they 
that it does something really concrete that that allows us to, that allows us that time to do proper analysis with no pressure uh, i bought you an nft thank you karma doc i know i know um but i want to make my own i want to make my own from mccann dojo and like i say well whatever if there's a meme on there in those pages that you want I'll, like i say i'll laminate it and and send it to you and um you know i don't know what what, what can we say like there's posts to consider but um i don't know 10 bucks for a signed meme of your choice right and you know if i if i could get a hundred people to want uh, a, a meme signed then we're there at, at the at the lab another day if you want to offer more for one or buy a couple more i don't know i, I i'm trying to think about but we're we're fighting we're backed up into a corner right now we've got to fight and, and, and again <laughs> in the dynamics of the situation when when we're dealing with a lethality of 70 percent for an aerosolized monkeypox 70% now again we have to get a handle on what it is that they're going to be pushing out and we got to know the qualities etc everything everything because it might it might come to the point that if if there's a, a a jump it becomes more transmissible more aerosolized well, well what then what then and we and, and in this chaotic environment every scrap of data that we can be sure about helps it's a little brick in the defensive wall that we have all right yeah i'm out of here just tried your pets didn't paypal won't work paypal has gone they took my paypal jay you have to use um this link on mccann dojo tip jar Uh, WTYL live come a patreon <laughs> like I said, I'm not I'm not spending it on, on bling this is this is literally the um, one of the few defensive measures that we have available to us right now and again hours count hours count it could get really crazy in the next week say the chinese have just decided oh fuck this we're gonna um we, we're gonna blockade uh taiwan <laughs> everything that you consider normal will, will get messed up in 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 an environment in which they which lab origin pathogens are very likely stalking the land um Patreon is also fruit. Yeah, but Patreon is working right now. Patreon is working. And yeah, with this, I'm going to say goodbye. I'll, I'm going to, uh, I'll just play uh, this, this one last time and then uh, I'll, I'll get out of here. So let me, let me do oh, this and this and 
Like this a few times. Take care, folks. See you in the next one. Support your friendly neighborhood neuroscientist. You don't know how angry I am. You do, like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that long line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these papers. I will fucking kill each fucking paper. I'm not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever throws you my fucking blood of blood. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking feelings and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Motherfuckers! All right, this guy. So technically, five thousand. Let's go! 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 Let's go!